things you own end up owning you. What's going on, Cutie Pies? Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is Andrew Latour. Andrew is the founder and owner of Gamba Red. Uh, it's a company that offers affordable red and near-infrared light therapy devices that are low flicker, low EMF, and are third-party tested. Um, there's tons of red light therapy companies out there, and what I really like about Andrew is that he keeps it real and doesn't bullshit people on what these devices can and can't do. We talk all about light, and if you want to get yourself some red light goodies, use my discount code LEO10 for 10% off on all Gamba Red products. Also, if you want to get yourself some of my merch, head over to IHateOatMilk.com. Enjoy the show. Yeah, how was your weekend, dude? Do anything fun? It's good. Uh, no, not really. I, uh, you know, just hang out with the wife, do some stuff around the house. Uh, last weekend we did axe throwing, which was pretty cool. Axe throwing. So I've yeah. done that once, really recently, kind of. Did you have a good time? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, it's yeah, it's just like darts or whatever, but except you're throwing axes. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That stuff's spreading. It's, it's like everybody seems to be doing axe throwing. <laughs> yeah, it's such a trendy thing. It's over at um, like an event, adventure park that does, um, you know, you, you climb up all along the ropes and you do the the, slide, the um, rope slides and the rope swings. And mm. they just added that as a new feature. Yeah, that's fun. You know what else is really popular here? It's uh, Top Golf. You ever done that? Oh, yeah. We don't have any Top Golfs in Connecticut yet. Oh. Wherever I travel, I'm like, oh, there's a top golf. There's a top golf. So you haven't tried it yet? No, I have. Oh, uh, you have. I've okay. Done it in Arizona, in Florida, I do it everywhere but Connecticut. Yeah. That's funny, but you're like right there. You're, I mean, how far away from uh, New York are you? A couple, like an hour or two, so, or what? Yeah, I'm like right in the middle of Connecticut. So it's like an hour and a half to New York, and then an hour and a half to uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. We're probably, I'm probably a little bit closer to Boston right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like a. You know, nobody wants to go to Connecticut. Um, a lot of people lie and say they're from New York <laughs> or from Boston. It's so true. Associated with Connecticut, so uh, maybe Top Golf just knows that. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, what know. is that? Why is there such hate on Connecticut? Because you know, I have a friend that's also from Connecticut, and this says yeah. the exact same thing. It's no, so funny. I, it's just brutal. Um, I there's a lot of rich people in the southwest corner near New York mm-hmm. because they're rich and they have their luxury homes and it's nice. Uh, peaceful area and then I mean the rest of the state is really chill I grew up in a very rural town very very calm uh, but they associate yeah maybe a lot of rich kind of snooty atmosphere uh, okay. in the in the southwest I see, part I of see. the state and uh, it's just yeah just got a bad rap we can't even hold uh, the whalers we can't even have a good hockey team <laughs> you know what I mean it's just like what's hold on the is there any professional uh, sports teams in Connecticut well, now we have um, the the Hartford Wolf Pack, which is a hockey team, but uh, I think it's in the lower tier, like a division lower. Yeah, than, lower okay. division, and then they just built um, a baseball stadium in Hartford too, which is really nice. It's owned by Dunkin' Donuts, of course. Of course. And uh, <laughs> you know the well, I don't even know who plays there. It's it's just a nice new field. I don't know. 
<laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, I don't know football. Um, you know when they just they just um recently put a Dunkin' Donuts here in LA, and everybody was like going. It was it was yeah. packed for weeks. It was yeah. like super super big. I mean, I, we just, this is not super recently, it. but pre-pandemic, I guess, because you know since that time nobody's been really going to it. But anyway, yeah, it was just everybody was so ecstatic for a Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know. I don't really get it, honestly. Do you think it's that good? No, I hate it. It's, it's, <laughs> It's so watery. It's everywhere. I mean, people are, and then like you know, if I go with my friends, they'll order with like tons of milk and tons of sugar and and everything. Oh yeah. I'm like, where's the coffee yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in this ratio now? So it's <laughs> no, it's terrible. But you must have some good hipster coffee shops up there in Connecticut, because just by being close to New York, right? Because it's like... yeah. Now now we are. You know, I think every everywhere is getting a lot of coffee shops, a lot of breweries, like yeah. making beers um so i buy i'm buying my my coffee roasted in a local place now it's it's great so yeah so happy for that it's really funny though how that whole industry has like massively boomed and changed over like the last 15 years because wow i remember you know i'm from russia i moved to ohio and we lived there and back then it was like starbucks or i don't know denny's or some shit like that like there was no and now you can go to any of the midwest states i feel like and east coast whatever and you'll find like at least one good hipster coffee shop isn't that funny right yeah <laughs> it's changed so much oh man how do you take your coffee um i blend i blend it with butter usually with so you're like a dave asprey guy yeah i am i ah. i, I, I was I was a big Dave Asprey guy. Um, I went to the some of the Bulletproof conferences, I think, um, around uh, 2016, 2017. And I was a volunteer, so I could go for free because they charged like hundreds of dollars just to, oh, just yeah. to attend, um, m you know, maybe even more. So I volunteered and you could work half the time and then you can kind of enjoy it the other half of the time. Um, so I was serving coffee and, and helping people and mm -hmm. uh greeting people at the front gate and whatever so yeah yeah good old days i've been to one of those way back in the day when they just started to yeah, yeah that's i mean they felt really authentic back then but mm -hmm. now i'm i'm off off of the yeah off the yeah stuff. yeah but, yeah um i still like the coffee with with butter like i, I tried to go back to half and half or whole milk and, so not a cream guy just straight up butter yeah huh? wow yeah with yeah just a little bit of butter blended in and it's nice and creamy and i think mct oil uh, no, I stopped the MCT oh. oil because that was giving me stomach issues. Ah, it gives you a, what do they call it? Uh, whatever. Diarrhea. Diarrhea pan. <laughs> I was, I was going to try to remember one of those <laughs> so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one thing, yeah, it makes you shit. <laughs> me too, man. I'm super sensitive to it. Like if I just have yeah. a little bit, I'm running to the bathroom immediately. Oh, so yeah. I don't know, MCT oil. So, you know, you're like the red light guy, but that's what I was going to ask you is how did you – get into the health sphere and all that was that your kind of entry point was dave asprey how yeah, you kind of started yeah. in all this yeah i was um actually living in connecticut and my wife convinced me to go to a um uh, health retreat so you know we do have all those crunchy health retreats in, in connecticut <laughs> don't worry um so i went to one and um it was a seven day raw vegan cleanse uh, lots oh, of green juice, okay. lots of uh, <laughs> enemas, and all this stuff was brand new to me. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I had no clue of, of any of this stuff. It's just like eating a standard American diet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I felt great. I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, I was borderline um, diabetic or pre-diabetic. I was obese. I had lack of energy. So I felt like any change of diet would be 
immense for me. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I how I got into it. And then even at that retreat, the the person that was running it um, also mentioned bulletproof and biohacking and all these things. I was like, oh, I should look into that. And so I was, I was researching mm-hmm. it. I, you know, got into Bulletproof Coffee. I got into the, you know, I like the diet outline that was, that was free online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, getting, getting all these tools and hacks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as an engineer, I was like, oh, I like this because there's bringing together the science and bringing together experimenting on yourself and, and you know, be, not being afraid to try new things and see how your body responds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into that. And then, yeah, you know, on the, the different podcasts, the health podcasts, they're starting to talk about, you know, red light therapy, especially with blue blockers. That was probably the big introduction for a lot of people of wearing wearing blue blockers at night. Uh, remember, this was around 2016 or 2017, so there weren't a lot of red light therapy companies on the market. No, no, it was just Dave Asprey wearing his blue blockers. That's yeah, that so was. we had so that we had it. blue blockers. Yeah. We, they came out with True Dark and yes. these crazy. Yes, I had a pair. I had a pair. I don't know. Yeah, I they, I just lost them at some point. And I just got another pair. I just like fuck that. Because they're so expensive yeah. now. They're still really expensive, right? I don't know how much they are now, but they were always expensive. And I I remember like I I saved up a bunch of money. Okay, I'm I'll buy them the ones you know the True Dark. And then um, I didn't bother going for the like lighter yellow ones or the light you know the lighter i'm just like fuck it i'm just gonna get the the yeah. super they're like bait it's like so red it's extremely red right no, it's, <laughs> and it's dark too so you know i never bought the expensive stuff i was always like hacking the hacks ah. so like, yeah i got the uvex um you know uh orange goggles they're yeah, the yeah, wraparound yeah. glasses they're kind of i've got um some vermilion ones here oh there you go um, but you get the UVX ones that are a deep orange and those block almost 99% of blue light. And they're amazing because they're full wrap around and they're big and they're, you know, they're really comfy. I still wear them today. I've, I've gone through like four or five pairs mm-hmm. uh, over the past, whatever, six years. And they're great. Um, and then there's the red uh, DeWalt laser enhancement goggles. Those what are, are those? only ten bucks. Laser enhancement. What do you mean? What does that mean? They they you use them when you're working with lasers. Um, they're made by DeWalt, which is a, a tool company. Yeah. Um, and you know they block out like uh, blue and green, and it's supposedly it helps with the contrast, so you can see the lasers without oh, you know, blasting your eye out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a perfect red color. It blacks all blue and green. And that was a hack. Even Dr. Mercola was saying at one point he liked those goggles uh, more than the True Dark goggles. But they weren't marketed for the blue light but they, people, yeah, right? So, so yeah. you know, that kind of gets, you know, it kind of gets go- gone to the side because nobody's going to promote stuff you can't make money off of <laughs> or you get, you know, 2% commission from an Amazon link of, of $10. Of course, uh, so, of course. And yeah, now, so but you know no now point. now it's a little bit even more confusing I feel like for the average person because if you go on Amazon there's so many blue blocking um, glasses and goggles and all sorts and they're like 10 20 bucks each. Yeah. Um, what's up can you break those down like are they even worth it because I've bought some that were super cheap and I tested yeah. it with a blue light uh, laser thing pointer thing you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. and it didn't block shit it didn't block right. anything but it's marketed right. as a blue light blocking glasses. Yeah, I think the terminology is is gotten out of out of control because you've got clear blue blockers, you've got yellow blue blockers, and those should be called 
blue reducers. Ah. They, they can only they filter the blue light. They can only reduce the blue light. They can't physically black it all. Otherwise, you'll get an orange or a red hue mm -hmm. just intrinsically. If you black blue light, you're going to be seeing mostly orange. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, so that's the first thing. And then, you know, a lot of people, like when I did a lot of gaming, I would wear the yellow glasses that reduces the blue light. I still want to see the full field of colors because it can you know reduce your quality of gaming mm -hmm. um but it's much easier on your eyes if you've got a blue reducer so that's why a lot of companies will market them for um, computer glasses for daytime blue daytime blue blackers but again they're just blue reducers mm -hmm. um and and again it's really it's tough because it's a matter of taste sometimes you know, wearing a yellow pair of glasses feels really weird and unnatural. Sometimes the ones that are more clear are more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so you really got to try them out and see which ones you like or don't like. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so that brings us to even that, that whole topic of blue light, you know, because it's like, that's why I wanted to talk to you because I love your website and I love some of the stuff that you put out because you seem like a very no bullshit kind of guy and you're very honest yeah. and it's really important to me because people are just not that way these days, you know? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so with the blue light thing, it's like it became one of those things like with carbohydrates, say, at some point, right, where people would just say carbohydrates are bad. Just that's it, like, obviously. And then people just kind of accept it. And then everybody's just like, oh, what do you mean carbohydrates are bad? Obviously, like sugar is bad, obviously. There's not even a yeah. thing of like, well, why? Like, let's discuss it. Like, uh, is, is right. it is it sort of a is is there a pro to carbohydrates and a con? Is it sort of a yeah. give and take, or it's it just no? It just became sort of that thing where just people accept it. And I feel like with blue light, the same thing has happened where people just say like, yeah, blue light is the devil. Like, obviously, man. Like, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's it's great, and it's like yeah, there's a lack of moderation of like, hey, can I have a little bit of carbs? Can I have a little bit of blue light? <laughs> exactly. It's just, you have to throw the, anything that's kind of bad, just throw it all out. It's simpler yes. to just throw it 100% out rather than saying, oh, well, you know, sometimes blue light is good because it shuts down your melatonin production. It tells you it's daytime. It tells you to be happy and mm -hmm. have some, some good cortisol to kind of keep you energetic and motivated and and doing your things you need to do during the day but the problem is is that we're oversaturated with blue light particularly at night when we don't we shouldn't have any blue light um and that's really because you know the blue light is sending us the wrong signals at night and telling us to stay awake it's shutting down our melatonin production so even if you feel like you're getting good sleep Mm -hmm. your quality of the sleep might be reduced because you're not getting that same melatonin production. Um, so it's it's really an insidious thing. And I think once people realized how bad it was, it was already like surrounding us. Done. And it was just like, get rid of it, <laughs> you know, shut it out. And yeah, like, like you said, some of the daytime blue blackers that are really uh, like a dark yellow tint um raw optics is, is big on those, those really dark yellow ones. And, um, they block all blue light, but I can't handle that. I'm going to fall asleep at my desk during the day because it's shutting off all the blue light. So I need yeah. a blue reducer that helps kind of tamper that, that peak 
a blue light that comes from your LEDs, your computer screens, your uh, your cell phones, and all this. You know that's why it's so pervasive and yeah. it's so terrifying when when it's a great source of fear mongering to tell people, oh the you know the blue lights, throw out your LEDs, throw yes, out yes, uh, yes. your devices, yes. go to a Kindle <laughs> e-reader with no backlight. Uh, you know I mean it's just out of control. It has so to be. Yeah, I, it... I've talked to some people. They'll call me and they'll be like, I just had an EMF s assessment at my home, mm -hmm. but they also told me to like turn off all my breakers and sit, <laughs> just sit in the house in darkness. And they're like, do you have any lights that I can use? <laughs> I was like, they didn't Oh, man. It, you know, that, that whole thing comes from that uh, like ancestral caveman thing, you know? Where, right. like, that's one of my other favorite like stupid things that people say where it's like, Oh, you know, like you want to have blackout shades always because yeah. we all slept in caves. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Did you really think we like, like we just crawled into a dark cave? Like, I, I don't know. And how many thousands of years ago was this? It's not like this was your great, great grandmother. This was like, how many? Millions it of years? Be, I mean, how many years we're talking about? You know what I mean? And what has be like competing for caves with like bears? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah like, how many like, caves are out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah. So to even like take even a further step back, or like to get an objective view, because like I said, people just accept things like carbs are bad. Without you know, it's yeah. not like you have to be a scientist to look at some of the, uh, I, I don't know, the, even the experiences that people have. You know, uh, I think that you have to just look at it as a, you know, see both sides of the argument, right? So yeah. I, you're a engineer by training, right? So you, that's yeah. what you, yeah. So like to even almost do like a high school class here for a second, like blue light does, where does blue light, like what is blue light? Like, can we explain okay. that the details and all those sort of things? Yeah. Because like I said, so, I think people just accept right. it, right? They don't no, really I know. know. And like, I always, I'm like, I need to just do more content on the basics because I'll just jump Honestly, right man, into it's so important. insane and amount it, of science. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and it's like, okay, blue light, you know, normally you don't see blue light. You see white light, uh, you know, from the sun, white light in your white light bulbs, white light coming from your screens. Mm -hmm. White light is the combination of, you know, all the colors, right? White, all the colors come together and they make white light. When you diffract them through a prism, you get Roy G. Biv, you see the colors of the rainbow. Right. Uh, you get with red, green, you know. Uh, all the, what is it, blue. Roy? So red, oh, hold on, red, red orange, red, yellow. Green. Hold on, you skipped a couple. <laughs> you don't orange, know what you're talking yellow. about, Andrew. <laughs> yellow. Right, red, orange, yellow. Yes. Green. Blue. Blue, violet, indigo. Indigo, violet. Yes. Indigo even though, even though you know that that's a little bit arbitrary. Not a little bit. It is arbitrary. Yeah. You know that, right? Because it's. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because uh, we get that from uh, what's his name, Isaac Newton, right? Because he wanted to narrow it down to a seven system kind of color yeah. thing. Yeah. But there, there, are, there are, it's There's literally almost, a spectrum, right? Right. Almost infinite amount of uh, colors and wavelengths if you if you really chop it down. Like there's yeah. uh, cyan and teal between uh, blue and green. Those are nice colors, but. So anyway, mm -hmm. you, you get this rainbow, mm -hmm. and actually the way that acronym works is in correct order of longest wavelength to shortest wavelength. So red is the longest, uh, you know, violet, you know, violet and blue are, are, are the shortest wavelengths around uh, starting at about 400 nanometers and above, that's blue. Um, mm -hmm. Around 400 and below, that's like violet and, and you, you know, ultraviolet, mm -hmm. which is invisible. 
And that's literally um, nope. the length of the wave, but the frequencies right. the remain the, the same throughout that spectrum or no? What's that? The frequency. Frequ so frequency is the inverse. So as wavelength increase increases, mm -hmm. frequency decreases. Okay. So it's because it's, you know, the longer you get less frequent waves, the longer they are. Gotcha. Kind of radio waves are, are very long, uh, mm -hmm. but they're low frequency. Mm -hmm. um, so... So with the blue light and the violet light, is they are higher frequency. So you you got to run on. It's a higher energy kind of frequency. Um, so again, you know when we see these colors, when we see these lights, and you know there's natural during the day. The sky is blue. Um, you know we we get it from the sun and and things like that. Um, so it tells us to kind of wake up. And, and do what we need to do. The other, the kind of photobiomodulation aspect of blue light and UV light is that it's high frequency, it's, it's almost imparting a higher energy mm -hmm. and it's more reactive to like chemical reactions and to, to photobiomodulation reactions. So it can cause good things like stimulating, you know, uh, vitamin D production if you've got UV. Mm -hmm. uh, blue light can kill bacteria because it's such high energy. It helps UV and blue light are, are a higher frequency that help kill bacteria and it's used for like acne and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's been accepted for longer than even red light has been accepted as a therapeutic uh, low, low intensity, um, uh, you know, th therapy. Mm -hmm. is that blue light and, and UV light can be used, you know, to create all these bio biological effects. So very high intensity blue light, just very similar to UV, is that it's got a very detrimental effect if it's going into your eyes, which is obviously very sensitive, or even can cause breakdown to, this, to the skin. Um, so again, right. so it's you, not when people say, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when, when uh, you know, they tell you not to go outside in the sun too much, that's because of the damage of the UV, right? Which the sun, and but the sun emits emits all of those. Uh, right, it's lights. got the full spectrum. So some of the argument is that it's balanced out with the red light and the near infrared and the the far infrared. Mm. So you're getting healing factors from the red light, and then you know the the kind of suppressing factors from the blue and the UV, and that's kind of balanced out with the proper sunlight and, and certain spectrum. Interesting. Maybe. And is that balanced out in the sense of like, it's emitting the same amount of those lights or is there some sort of specific balance between those lights? Um, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I think about, uh, almost 50% of sunlight is red and infrared, like all of the, the reds and the infrareds mm -hmm. is about 50% sunlight. The rest is visible light and some of the uv mm -hmm. um so it's we get proportionally a little bit more of those healing factors than we do with mm. the blue and the uv so we want kind of proportionally less blue and uv than we do red red and near infrared and, and okay. far infrared yeah so, so to, to say all blue light is bad quote unquote right it's also even though the whole you know natural thing it's also kind of an argument that you could you know go against because like you and i aren't talking on on the computer right now it's not natural right. you know but it's yeah. cool we want to do it so right. you know it doesn't that's just because it's not natural doesn't mean it's um uh, bad but the sun does naturally emit blue light right so like i said right. because i've talked to people that don't really put these things together you know i just want to make it clear so yeah. you know because you can, and then you can you know take it and do what you want to do with it um sure. so and then you talked about infrared uh so we got red light so i want to clarify the differences between like 
infrared? What is near infrared and red light? Like what, you know, because yeah. again, I want it to be clear. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So yeah, once you get into the longer wavelengths, so you start 400, it is right when kind of blue and, and violet uh, kind of blue starts. And then about like from 400 to like 480 are all the blues. And then from 480 to like, uh, I'm you know I'm guessing off the top of my head is like okay. 480 to about 550 is, is most of the greens and the cyan, mm-hmm. um, and then 550 to 600 is going to be more starting to turn uh, yellowish in in that spectrum, mm-hmm. and then from 600 is that's when we start calling it red light. You know that's that's when you get kind of more an orange, and then more than 600 about 600 to 700 that's your red range of wavelengths okay. um so so that red is a visible light color uh you can still see it once you get you know everyone actually has a different sensitivity to red light but usually the cutoffs around um 700 uh by about 780 is where the official cutoff is for near infrared so again um you know, once you get into that invisible spectrum, we can't, you know, we can't see it anymore. So infrared and near infrared is going beyond the red light, right? Yeah, going beyond the visible red into terms of longer wavelengths. So just like ultraviolet, we can't see on the shorter end. Mm -hmm. And then we, and then we can't see on the the law, anything longer than red. Okay. Uh, So if I take a panel, right, like, like you have a, that's a red light behind you, isn't it? Over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So you got a little panel. So if you turn it on, red. So it's not red because the bulbs are red, right? It's red because it's literally. Yeah. Well, yeah. So these are red bulbs. Mm-hmm. Just put on the red here. So I've got red. I've got 630 and then 660. Uh, but probably to you, it's just a big red glow. Yeah, pretty um, much. <laughs> but so it's visible. You know, it's visible. It emits light. I can switch this to only do near infrared. And yeah, you really can't see anything. Sometimes oh, but there's light some... on right now. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so it's an invisible wavelength. It's an invisible light. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh my God, it's malfunctioning. There's no light. <laughs> and, you know, we do call it near infrared light. It's part of the optical uh, light spectrum, even though you don't see it. Um, but it's emitting these wavelengths mm-hmm. that, that we, you know, we can't see, we can't perceive. Um, like I said, some some types of phones will will show it kind of like a, a purplish kind of kind of glow to it. Hmm. Um, okay. And you can use near infrared LEDs for security cameras. That's when you see those kind of black and white nighttime oh, right, right, security right. footages when people are robbing places. That's being illuminated with near infrared light, so they don't know they're being illuminated and being watched from a camera. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those cameras have near infrared LEDs built into them. So they can they can kind of mm. capture that that light. So we have red, then near infrared, then infrared, right? So we have near infrared. So we have the order, yeah. We have red and then infrared, and then and then inside uh-huh. and then inside of infrared is near, mid, and far. Mm. So there's there's oh, three categories that infrared is broken up into. So we got infrared, which covers. Um, I think it's uh, 780 nanometers up to a million nanometers. Mm-hmm. So it's very long. You, you use like a logarithmic scale to, to talk about. It. So it's very long scale. And then near infrared is going to be like 780 to 
uh, I think about 1400, depending on the definition. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's going to be like 14 to like, and they just keep getting 3, bigger. 3000. Okay. And then it's like 3000 okay. to a million for far. Okay. Um, so then my question is, so why don't we just, why do we have red light panels and not far light panels, right? Far in, cause the, right. the more, the better, right? Andrew, that's always the case in life, isn't it? a bigger it? wavelength, right. nanometer <laughs> wavelength, then everyone would be happy. You know, that's finally. it. More, you know, <laughs> Why would you drink one cup of butter coffee when you can drink a blender full worth of, you know I what mean, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> when you're running to the bathroom, you'll, you'll know why. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what happens. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I say. We'll talk about intensity, too. But um, mm-hmm. with the wavelength, sometimes we're limited by technology of what mm. the LEDs can emit. So LEDs are a fancy new technology. We have incandescent bulbs, which were the dominant, you know, lighting source that uh, Edison came up with uh, over a hundred years ago, and that was just burning a little filament, or basically heating up a filament up to uh, 2,700. Uh, is it Kelvin or Celsius? Celsius. Uh, I don't know, my man. Probably Celsius, I, but Cal- I, I Kelvin look is at this all the time. I think it's Kelvin, but uh-huh. 2,700. And so, it, at things that are very hot, will glow. Uh, with a certain amount of light, like how the sun works, it's it's incandescent. So a lot of people say, "Oh, you got to switch back to incandescent light bulbs because it's more natural." But it's really energy inefficient, and they're banned in a lot of states and countries oh, now. Yeah. Well, you know, that's <laughs> one of the things I wanted to bring up to you. I was going to ask yeah. you about all this stuff that you brought it up naturally, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's up with that? Because exactly, as if you read any of the, you know, I don't know, people who homestead or. Whatever, people that are super, you know, like they wear only organic cotton clothes, stuff like that, right? Like they'll tell you, yeah, LED lights will kill you and, you know, they meet. And that's the blue light. It's part of the blue light thing too, you know. Okay, okay. So and that's because incandescent light, it still emits blue light, doesn't it, right? It's, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. But, but it's but, proportionally much lower because again, an incandescent bulb, it's only right? 2700 Kelvin. So it's uh, a very low amount of blue light and it's got a lot of red and it's got invisible near infrared which like i said it makes it very inefficient because a lot of the energy and a lot of the light it produces it's not visible light so you get low lumens per watt and that's where a lot of the energy standards come from you need a certain amount of lumens per watt in order to meet the energy efficiency standards of of california and and europe and Mm -hmm. places like that um but so yeah the big things with incandescence is that um, okay, you, you get it is a nice spectrum. It's good, you know. It's relatively good for you. Um, it's pretty low flicker, but it has some flicker because when whenever you plug it into the AC, there's some modulation. But because it's running on almost heat, mm-hmm. the heat is buffering that flicker, mm-hmm. um, so it's not very hot, not very much. And so then, flicker, um, another thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, right? we're what? gonna jump. jump <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. You can. No, put it. <laughs> so you've got flicker, you've got EMFs, right? And then you've got um, some people say heavy metals is a problem with LEDs, which is just. I haven't heard that yeah. one with LEDs. Yeah, yeah. No, oh my I god, it's gonna be. Although yeah. you know, man, it's so like I've heard that study, with everything. Uh-huh, there's uh-huh. one study where they took cheap plastic, a little acrylic uh, button type LEDs, mm-hmm. and they probably shaved it off and did a chemical analysis of the epoxy, not of the LED itself, of just the epoxy they used to color the LED. Yeah. And they found some some lead or some, you know, to make that color. 
and they found it, and they're like, oh my god, LEDs have heavy metal. <laughs> throw them all so away. So that could possibly mean that LED it's emitting it? Buy in the store. Uh, okay. And, uh, like, and I say there's, regula- there's regulations. There's R-O-H-S and REACH, R-E-A-C-H, which are regulations on you can't have lead, you can't have heavy metals in any electronics, not because they care about your health, but because they don't want it to go in the landfill and, and maybe it'll cause problems <laughs> when it reaches out to the landfill. Well, you know, the most important things first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I try to remind people, like, um, there's standards on EMFs with uh, LEDs and, and this technology, which maybe weren't implemented right when they came to market. So they were high EMF when they first came out 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people latched onto that. And I, I'll have people troll me. They'll be like, oh, I was listening to the AM radio in my garage and I just plugged in some of these newfangled LEDs mm-hmm. and it caused static on my radio. Mm-hmm. While well, I was try, trying to listen to the AM radio, it caused static when I turn on my LEDs and I threw out LEDs and I'll never go back to them. <laughs> and, I was, and I hear these stories a lot. I don't know why I attract them so much, but um, so <laughs> I was like, have you not tried like a modern LED? <laughs> like, no, because no, it has regulations, to be... like I said, from oh the gosh. FCC. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, uh, you know, have all this because basically they use power drivers that regulate the voltage to the LED so you don't burn out the LED. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can create some stray radio frequencies. So again, maybe it was a problem in the past. The FCC is, is regulating this harder. Again, they don't care about your health. Let's <laughs> let's be clear. They sold those radio waves <laughs> to the radio companies, to the Bluetooth companies, to the 5G companies. So they don't want your LEDs to mess up with the wavelengths that they sold. So, you know what I mean? It's yeah, a commercial I thing. I know, man. That's, yeah. That's what we need. Uh, but that's why they're regulating it now. Um, <laughs> So, so that you know, that's not. I've tested a lot of LEDs, and the EMS hasn't hasn't been a big problem with just standard LEDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then blue light, like I said. So I was getting back to <laughs> wavelengths of LEDs. Yes. So when we first invented the wavelengths of, of an LED, it was actually the red and near infrared LEDs were the first ones invented, and they were first implemented as indicator lights, like on your. Um, you remember having like a red digital clock all the sure. digital clocks were the red mm. digits because the leds were very low power so that was a could... very small uh red light therapy alarm clock yeah right. so so <laughs> and then you got the near infrared lights were being used on your uh, tv remote controls right because you can't see them yeah, right yeah. Mm-hmm. you press it and it sends some sort of maybe pulse signal to turn on and off the TV or something and mm-hmm. change the channel or whatever. So the, that's all LEDs could do. They were very low powered. They thought, you, you know, you really couldn't use them much for, for anything else until they came out. Uh, somebody developed a high powered blue LED. And so this blue LED changed, changed the whole market because now they use this blue LED and what they do to make a white LED is they'll put a phosphor which basically is kind of this yellowish um, you know, material that will take the blue light and then it'll re- re-emit the rest mm. of the spectrum to give you a, a white light. So sort of like those rings that people use for uh, selfie cameras and whatever videos, right? Like that's a white LED, you're saying? Yeah, so, those, so all your white LEDs, they're actually a blue LED with a phosphor on top of them that's giving you the rest of the spectrum. So the blue is very 
high powered and efficient mm. and it's got phosphor. So what you end up is with a spectrum that's got a big peak of blue and then the rest of the spectrum gives you that illusion that it's white light, but mm. really it's unbalanced. It gives you a high amount of blue. And then that also enabled, um, you know, making office lights rather than um, you were limited with incandescence to 2,700 or 3,000 with halogen. Now they were making 5,000 Kelvin lighting for offices and for workstations, you know, workplaces, which proportionally has a lot more blue because that, you know, that's how the um, color corrected um, scale goes. Um, and having more blue light keeps your people in your office mm -hmm. awake and more attentive and a little bit mm. more stressed out. So they're more productive. Um, you know, so I would design an office with yeah, 4,500 Kelvin. Um, just so you would adjust sure. it. It would still, well, yeah, like just to make sure people are agitated enough to be <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, of course. Of course. Well, who the fuck wants to sit in front of a desk all day? I know, man. I don't know yeah. how people do it. So, yeah. um, so yeah, you do want enough blue light, but again, there was even in the 80s, there was um, sick building syndromes and a lot of people complaining about um, headaches and migraines and mm. things like that. A lot of it came from the fluorescent bulbs, which, again, were flickering and had really unnatural spectrums. And then, you know, and then they switched to LEDs, which the initial LEDs had had bad spectrums, too. So could um, you explain flicker? You know, it's sort of that thing. I've done this before where I've been in some. Uh, some houses and say I'm making coffee, you know, I do like a slow-mo coffee thing every day, whatever. And uh, you can see it if you use your slow motion camera on your phone. You can, you know, if you have a high flicker, whatever, light in a home and you try to videotape something, you'll see that flicker, your screen will be literally flickering, right? Right, right. So, yeah, like I said, the incandescence, they'll flicker. And so basically we're on an alternating current grid. The AC in the U.S. is uh, 60 hertz. And so it was a clever way to deliver electricity by putting it on alternating current because there's less efficiency losses when you move it over the power lines and long distances. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so we do an alternating current. And then when that current gets to your light bulb, it's still alternating. So, you know, like I said, incandescent bulbs, they didn't they weren't impacted as much. They only had a little bit of flicker. So nobody really had a problem with that. Mm. Then televisions came out. Uh, fluorescent tube lights came out and those were more electronic and they were more responsive to that AC. So you get higher peaks and valleys of the flicker, uh, basically more modulation of that on and off period. Mm -hmm. Even though to your human eye, you can't see it because your brain will stitch together the light, uh, basically anything above about 70 hertz. Mm. So that's 70 flashes per second. Your brain will just stitch together. It's called critical critical flicker fusion um critical so your brain... flicker fusion Jesus. yeah and it's kind of different for everyone so i think mm -hmm. i'm more sensitive and i can see flicker like when i was traveling in europe and their flicker rate is um based on the 50 hertz cycle so it's a little bit uh slower like i could see like like off the side of your eye you can see it more in your peripheral vision it affects you because even though it looks steady and people say, oh, well, it's invisible. So anything that's invisible can't harm you, mm -hmm. which is just nonsense. Well, it makes sense, uh, right? <laughs> I'm like, why do I get such the worst arguments of things? But like, people are like, oh, well, if it's invisible, it can't harm you. I'm like, where are you <laughs> Like, lots of things are invisible. Oh, like, man, that's funny. <laughs> there's also a stroboscopic effect. So basically, um, if you're playing a sport, 
or if you're working with heavy machinery and that, that keeps moving, basically the flicker will cause a phantom image effect. Like if I'm spinning my hand around or you're look, you can actually test it with certain like tops that spin mm-hmm. and you see the colors. Um, and that can mess you up. You could be looking at a rotating piece of machinery that based on the flicker rate, mm-hmm. it could be looking steady mm-hmm. because of how it's lining up. And you you know you can hurt yourself with machinery because it's you're you're looking at flickering machinery. Mm-hmm. They found out with all the slow motion cameras, like you said, you do the slow motion video mm-hmm. with slow motion video for um, sports. You know, for watching football, they had to very quickly fix a lot of the power drivers that were lighting football oh. stands, so it's... it wouldn't mess up with the cameras and the slow motion replays. Mm. Um, so you know, it's big in videography and, and filmography, so you don't mess up your. Your video and so all lights can uh, have a flicker or and even like leds mm-hmm. because they're such an ele- electronic kind of chip mm-hmm. they can respond instantaneously to modulation of the alternating cycle so if you have a bad power driver you the first leds were a hundred percent flicker and that again that's kind of carried over a lot of people who say oh all leds flicker a hundred percent but they don't anymore but if they when they do, it's devastating to your eyes and to your brain because mm. it's a lot of stress on your eyes. Uh, like I said, it can create phantom images. Uh, if you're trying to read mm. your eyes, these micro movements called saccades that um, really messes with your reading. So it's tough on kids who are trying to focus and concentrate in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even a document and on Flickr said if you've got um, you know, if you got a kid that have anxiety, learning disorders, mood disorders, um, sit them near a window where the light's going to be more steady mm-hmm. compared to the fluorescent light that's that's probably distracting them and, and causing agitation. Uh, you know, at least the sunlight can help buffer mm-hmm. the flicker from from your indoor lights. Um, so you know, it's it's been known about for a long time with you know different people, especially sensitive populations complaining about it, getting headaches, mm-hmm. irritability, distraction, low productivity. Um, and again, the worst effect is something like uh, a causing a seizure, which you don't always see with standard light bulbs flickering, um, but you do see it a lot when you're watching a TV show. If, you know, it's a lot of TV shows still have warnings that they'll they'll have a pulsing, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have uh-huh. a, a seizure warning on on. TV shows, a lot of animes and cartoons will still do it. Um, There's a famous incident in the 90s. A po- uh, episode of Pokemon sent over 800 kids to the hospital for, for seizures <laughs> really? in, in Where Japan. Is this? Oh, in Japan, okay. <laughs> yeah, in Japan, and that episode never aired in the U.S., and I was I was sad about that. So did you find it ever? Did you? Did you... <laughs> yeah. No, you did? Yeah. No, you can find it on YouTube. But, uh, <laughs> and it was like, again, this became the center point of a lot of research on Flickr and how these kids responded. It was the cathode ray tube, the old-style TVs with the long back that were shooting x-ray at your eyes. Oh, yeah. But it also uses rastering and flickering to create the, the images on the screen. And it had high contrast blue and green, blue and red light. And they found people responded more to the red light pulsing uh, to trigger the seizure than any other color, mm-hmm. which I tell people is kind of important if you're selling red light therapy panels that have high flicker. Mm-hmm that's the literally the worst color you could flicker to somebody. Um, so is there, a, is there a way to have no flicker in a, in a light? 
with the LEDs, you use a AC to DC driver, mm-hmm. which first off steps down the voltage so you don't um, burn out the LEDs. The LED can't handle 120 volts from, from our normal outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it steps down the voltage, but also um, uses uh, you know circuits to help smooth out that that electricity that goes to the LED. So you can have practically no no flicker to most LEDs. Most of the LEDs I use are about 1% flicker, which is, seems to be the so best. It's still, you can... t- it's still there, but tiny yeah. amounts of it. Right? right. And, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people will say, oh, we have zero flicker LEDs. They'll, Not they'll possible. Panels. And it's almost impossible. There's okay. always what they call a ripple current that's still riding on top of your DC current that's going to ripple and give it a little bit of flicker. So if they say they have zero flicker, then they're lying shit. to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why so we need annoying. to have you on, Andrew. I love it. People, people will be email me and be like, well, Andrew, you have you have 1% flicker, but this guy says he has zero flicker, so I'm going to buy from him. Yeah, I'll he, be like, he... He must be an alien because he created his own fucking light. Light, yeah. Impossible (laughs) promises. Like if he's lying to you about this, what else is he lying to you about? Okay. Um, Okay. So, so I send my stuff to a lab, and they have very, they you know, they have very sophisticated stuff that can can measure it down to a very. So you need some sophisticated tools to be able to measure it. Like I say, you can't just get something and measure it in your own lights, you know, in, there's, in your house. There's a $110 meter that I use, you know, just to pre-check a lot of stuff or oh. I don't want to, it's all, it's called a Radix Lupin meter. I got it on Amazon and it's okay. amazing. It, it gives you the flicker percentage. And, um, when you plug Does it, it into sh- your shoot a laser sort of at it or, or how do you do it? Yeah. Yeah. If you hold it up to any light, it's just got a little sensor on it. You mm-hmm. hold it up to any light and you hold it steady for a couple seconds to make sure it steadies. And then it tells you, oh, this, it just displays how, what your flicker percentage is. And usually mm. you want it to leave, you know, less than 5% is ideal. Um, anything above 10%, you, sh- you know, you should avoid and, and stop using. Um, so but so like I was telling you, when I, when I do a slow-mo um, shot using my phone, if I, you know, I've done it like in my mom's house where she's had like old incandescent lights. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's very, very flickery, right? right. So. Then that test is kind of a yes or no. It does flicker, but it doesn't tell you the percentage of modulation. Mm-hmm. And so I was just saying that, and if that. I and I've bought things from Amazon for you know like those lights that like some of the lights I have on now, uh, they use LEDs. And if I use that and use my slow mo cam, I I don't see anything. So that just means yeah. even even what my point is like even some of the cheap LEDs that you'll just buy from Amazon or whatever eBay, they're also been upgraded to now that not to have such crazy flickers like back you know oh, years yeah. ago sure and and i started doing a couple of blogs of uh, good white light bulbs if you just want safe light bulbs um i tested a lot of of white light bulbs out that that are high quality low flicker mm-hmm. low cri or high cri and white you mean um, are they incandescent or are they also led lights they're, they're led so LED. yeah to help people switch to leds have more confidence that hey here's some leds that i tested Okay. Are very low flicker, just standard light, you know, LED light bulbs. Because it's kind of a minefield. People don't want to deal with the hassle. Of oh yeah. It, oh, it's a crazy. Check, and like you said, and you have, returning it. Yes, and well, and like you said, you have all these companies that you know tell you a bunch of bullshit. You, you're everybody's confused. That's why I wanted to, you know, chat with you in yeah. such a way. So there's there's a lot of great cheap 
uh, especially just light bulbs on the market. That, so you're not know. afraid of LEDs in, in your house. Your house is lit oh, up by yeah. regular LED lights. You don't have incandescent bulbs that Edison Correct. would use back from the day, huh? Yeah. No, I switched all over high, <laughs> high energy efficiency. Um, you know, it's, I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest problems, once you fix all the normal problems with LEDs, getting low flicker, um, getting the right color temperature, Mm-hmm. which basically, you know, you want warmer temperatures um, for, for rooms like maybe that you use at night. You want higher temperatures, which, which is the cooler. It's mm-hmm. kind of doesn't make sense, but it's the cooler whites that okay. have more blue. You're saying the way it looks, right? The way yeah, it the looks. way it looks. Like yeah. behind me, I've got a warm, that's a, warm, a very warm yeah. white. Um, so that's a lower Kelvin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want higher Kelvin maybe during the day. Um, but, you know, I think getting the brightness right with LEDs because they're so much brighter than incandescence. I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, it's too bright. Uh, it's good to get like the 40 watt equivalents. Like mm-hmm. if you're switching out an incandescent bulb, switch to like a 40 watt equivalent. Even if the incandescent bulb was 60 watts, go down, da- like go down a, a, a couple with the LEDs because they're so much more efficient. They're so much brighter. So it's not um, like there's just one light LED white light bulbs and they're all the same. It's like there's levels I, of that's, bright. Yeah, and it, and then people get overwhelmed when you have to choose different, <laughs> different things. But, but you have some of those things listed on your yeah, site I, and all I that. I break it down on my website and mm-hmm. try to try to guide people. And I'm like, hey, don't just choose because I rank them because everyone likes things being ranked. So I rank them. I'm like, don't just choose the number one <laughs> thing. Like, try to understand the nuance because you can choose something that works more. No, Andrew, tell me like, this is good. This is bad. That's it. Yeah. And, and it has to be all good or all I bad. Can only buy the number one best thing. <laughs> Otherwise, it's garbage. Correct. You know, if you're not first, you're last. Correct. And then at the end, he says, he said, who told you that? He said, well, you did. He's like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Classic movie. Good reference. Yeah. Good reference. Yeah. So the Watts then brings me to, well, got, got me thinking about, um, so I've got, you know, to change topic, well, not to go into the red light therapy thing. I've got one of those 250 watt Philips light bulbs, right? And that is very hot. Uh, yeah. It's colored red, right? Yeah. So, so it's not necessarily a red light bulb, right? Um, so what would that be doing enough? Uh, would that be a red light source potential, or is that not strong enough? So, so yeah, this is where it gets complicated. There you go. Okay, good, good. <laughs> for some reason, and again, they shouldn't be complicated because it's an incandescent light bulb. So it's, it's been around for 100 years, and but somehow they, they want to tell you, oh, it's so old and, and it's been around for a long time, but it's so mystical and it's going to heal everything. <laughs> so they, everyone likes to have it both ways. Yes. But it's an incandescent light bulb. So it's a simple thing. You use it to keep your livestock warm. You use it to keep your French fries warm at the catering mm-hmm. place. It's the same technology. Same, Ch- same chicken sometimes coops. they use the red. Yeah, you keep your chickens, keep your cows warm at, in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you use you can use it therapeutically, sure. And, you know, it does emit red light. It emits near-infrared light, which sometimes they just kind of call it a near-infrared bulb. And and, it's, and it emits infrared light. So you can call it all of those things. You could call it red light therapy. You can call it near-infrared light therapy. You can call it infrared light therapy. Those don't really mean much. Like, you got to, like, break it down to, to, to the spectrum and, the like you said, the intensity and the power output mm-hmm. and, you know, what's it really doing. So, um 
and that's why the the scientists redefined you know this a lot of these terms i think it was around 2014 where they established the term photobiomodulation which is pretty recently mm-hmm. uh, photobiomodulation is the non-thermal effects of light on on biology uh, specifically so it's, red it's, light on biology so it's not necessarily it could okay. be blue it could be far infrared um but basically, if it's got to be non-thermal is one of the keys. And most of the time, they are researching reds and near-infrared. And again, that's where people associate photobiomodulation with red and near-infrared you know, LEDs or lasers, because that's where most of the studies are. But it's not just that. It could, you could use blue or you could use far-infrared if you want. Um, but it's non-thermal. So that they purposely designed it to exclude the, um, those heat lamps, those 250-watt mm-hmm. heat lamps from the science. It's not that those don't have any effect. It's just that you know you got to separate your variables when you create scientific studies. You can't have heat and light. Like heat on its own does a lot of stuff. Sure. And that, so that will throw <clears> off <throat> your understanding of what does the light and what does just those wavelengths do rather than, yes. you know, you got a lot of heating effects too. So that so back to your question with the 250 watt heat lamp, mm-hmm. it's emitted, it, you know, you mostly you're gonna feel a lot of heat. And you, so you, right. you can't, disc- a lot of people kind of throw that away and they say, oh, well, if you look at this um, Planck's constant curve, you can calculate about, you know, and everyone's got a different calculation, about 14% is that red to near infrared range that's the therapeutic window that we talk about for photobiomodulation so they're going to piggyback all their medical claims and say oh it's giving you 14 percent of these wavelengths are these photobiomodulation wavelengths which has been studied for everything um and you can get it in a ten dollar heat lamp Mm -hmm. which which is great and it's it's kind of generally true but then you're throwing out you know the baby with the bathwater when you've got the rest of the 86% of that spectrum, you're saying, oh, is that garbage? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just mm-hmm. going to ignore 86% of a spectrum and just say, oh, this 14% is doing all the heavy lifting mm-hmm. and the rest, which is most, you know, it's going to be more heating. It's going to be warming you up. But there are photobiomodulation effects, even with mid and, and far infrared, because uh, it helps create stru- structured water. Um so it does have therapeutic effects. I think the biggest thing with a near-infrared heat lamp is make sure you have enough distance that you're not overheating your skin or overheating your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, you can use it for that heat therapy. I just got a Beerer, the, the German brand. Uh, Haven't heard uh, of it. It's like an incandescent lamp. It's very popular in Europe, actually. Hmm. Um, it's a halogen uh, red heat lamp, and it's really neat. Um, but it's... A very nice kind of soothing um, kind of kind of heat lamp that um, some of those 250 watt bulbs are pretty intense because uh, they, they oh, really yeah. blast a lot oh, of heat. Oh yeah, I've done it. I've done I've done that mistake before where I tried you know laying naked and just my balls got cooked. Man, it was just like it was just scrambled eggs, you know. So <laughs> I, I just I was no not that close. It was too much. Right. Yeah, on some cold days. Yeah. But so let's say you take that bulb and you compare it to a you know, one of your um, panels, say, your panel is emitting much more red light, right? How do you, how do you calculate that? Like, how do you measure that? Yeah, so that's, um, so with the LED panels, like, like I sell, um, it's, it's primarily just a couple different wavelengths of LEDs. And that's what I was trying to get to the technology of LEDs is that 
we haven't invented the whole spectrum that LEDs can emit. There's only certain wavelengths we can do mm. based on it's basically kind of a semiconductor chip that when you run electricity across it, when the electrons kind of have to jump a band gap, they emit light. Mm. Um, so it's it's kind of an advanced technology. But we only have so many different semiconductors that we know we can make, uh, you know, maybe 630 nanometer, which is red. We can make 660. We can make 670. Uh, and then we ju usually jump into the near infrareds, like 810 nanometers, uh, 830, 850, uh, those are the most popular ones you hear. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very specific, but then LEDs are quasi-monochromatic, quasi as opposed to a laser, which is monochromatic, which only has like one wavelength. An LED will have a small spectrum on either side. So if I say, oh, I've got a 660 nanometer LED, it's actually got plus or minus about 15 nanometers on either side. So you okay. get kind of a little bit of a spectrum. Um, again, we don't even know if that matters for, mm. you know, like say we're comparing lasers to LEDs or to even to incandescent, which is a broadband spectrum, kind of like the sun, mm -hmm. where an incandescent, your heat lamps, emits kind of a very broad spectrum. Um, and, you know, depending on how you calculate it, the peak is, is I think, around 1,000 nanometers. But it doesn't even matter where the peak is because the, the spectrum is so broad, it, it doesn't matter where the peak is. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of research that says, can you compare broadband to LED to uh, laser? But we just know, hey, if you're in the right range, you're going to get the right benefits and you get the right intensity, but that's the power or the kind of, you know, it's analogous to brightness, but like we said, a lot of time it's, it's invisible. Um, but the intensity is your power output per unit area. Um, so, so if you take an incandescent okay. light, so if you take a Philips 250 yeah. uh, watts light bulb, right? How much, you know, red light is it emitting? Is Do you know, is there like a number? Yeah, say like, 14% of that 250. 14% of that 200. Okay. And then if you take one of your panels, let's say like a small panel or right. a medium sized one, or I mean, you know better. So yeah. You yeah. Tell so, me. Uh -huh. so that's the thing. It's like 14% of that spectrum, you know, let's say roughly it's, it's red, red to near infrared in, okay. that, in that non thermal range. And then our panels are going to be 100% mm. red to near infrared. So it's kind of proportionally. Uh, and, but then you you're trying to reconcile what's the intensity of of that output, um, which I forget the numbers. But let's say it, it depends on the area of that mm -hmm. incandescent bulb. So let's say my panels I know, um, you know, are mid-sized panels. Maybe uh, if you're about a foot away, let's say you're about 20 milliwatts per centimeter squared. That's the intensity. Um, I'm sure you can get you get similar with the incandescent bulbs. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, with the incandescent bulbs, you're getting a lot of heat effects and you're getting a lot of those extra... Which feels good, but if you're yeah. just looking for the therapeutic uh, effects of red light, it's not... It's it's only 14% of that. Right, right. So it's it's hard to reconcile, but you do get a lot of benefits, um, both thermal and non-thermal from the heat lamps. Yeah, heat feels with, good, right. Yeah. With our lamps, it's much less power. So, you know, let's say... Uh, one of one of my mid-sized panels that could be equivalent size in terms of coverage, mm -hmm. <clears throat> those are only consuming 
uh, about 30 watts mm. as opposed to yours is literally 250 watts yeah so, if so you're it's like... much less power right uh, so it, again it's just non-thermal because the power is relation i could blast you with a high intensity red laser and mm -hmm. and, and burn a hole through you <laughs> you know i actually i just shared like there's some uh new uh Sick, like it was like 65 million milliwatt laser that's going to be used in the mili military. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's just a nightmare. Just um, but, I'm like, but I always tell people, like, just because you have red and near-infrared light that people will constantly say over and over, it's non-thermal, it's non-thermal, it's non-thermal. If you have enough intensity, you can burn holes through stuff. That's <laughs> the whole point of calling it low-level laser therapy, or sometimes they call them cold lasers. Mm -hmm. And you know, LEDs inherently are lower power, so they're much safer, and you won't get a heating effect. But you know, a lot of a lot of companies are trying to figure out ways to make LEDs higher and higher powered. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the opposite of what, where we're trying to go. We're still trying to be non-thermal, so it's a lower intensity. So you're not going to feel yeah. any heat off of one of your panels, right? right? You're yeah, just, you just see the light. Subtle. It just looks cool. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I think a lot of people confuse that too, honestly. Again, it may seem like a trivial thing to you, but um, a lot of people think that it has to be hot, right? That that's right. where – and I'm yeah. like, no, 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 no. It's not even hot usually. You probably yeah. don't feel anything. Right. It just it's, looks red and you can yeah. see it and it looks like it's hot, but it's it's just the light But versus a mm -hmm. you know a – one of those Philips light bulbs or other brands. Um, yeah, it's hot, but it's not hot because of the red light. It's hot because of other stuff. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, it's, it's based on the intensity. And, and again, yeah, uh, you know, I was reading a textbook on photobiomodulation where they say you don't feel anything during treatment. You might not even feel anything after treatment. Mm -hmm. It's it's so, uh, again, the, Andrew, the, I want to feel like I'm getting treatment. tattooed. I want to just right. fucking ah, X-Men supercharged, you know? And that's what, I, you know, <laughs> I've, I've been trying to, I'm like, if you want instant gratification, buy a heat lamp. It's only 10 bucks and you get <laughs> the feeling of something. If you just want to feel something for once in your life, yeah. get a heat lamp, you know, and that won't stop you. It's all, you know, what are you going to do? Okay. Um, you know, yeah, heat lamps were one of my first red light therapy uh, four rays before, um, but then you're you know, paying a lot. Of, out. Mm -hmm. I was just you brought up, you know, the the power, and you're going to be unless if you got our uh, friend uh, Danny Roddy's uh, money. You know, I'm just kidding, but he because he paid. You know, he was I think he was in Mexico once, and he had to pay so much money because he was using them all the time, and it's you oh, know God. electricity is expensive there, and he was using like two or three of them, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, oh my God, dude, so not smart unless if you're willing to pay that much money for your electricity right. bill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, there's something to be said about uh, yeah LEDs being non-thermal, low intensity, and they're still getting the effects that that you know that they see in the studies and that people are are anecdotally reporting. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, and and uh, I guess if you're using it regularly, one of those incandescent bulbs. I mean, if if you are truly using it regularly, it's like you might as well invest the time in just buying a real panel, right? Because if you're you're going to use it regularly, you're going to, you, yes, the light bulb will, will cost 10 bucks, but the electricity is probably going to, you know, eventually catch up to you, so. Right, yeah, yeah, there's that balance. But, you know, that's the thing, if, if people want to preserve their incandescent light bulbs, rather than outfitting your whole house with incandescent light bulbs, which is really ine inefficient, mm -hmm. just do 10 minutes a day with your incandescent light therapy, mm -hmm. And you get much more effects than having them screwed into your ceiling and you're just heating up your ceiling for no reason. Yeah. You can use it, you know, use it, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day, get that therapeutic effect from the incandescent and then you're done and then stick with the LEDs the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like 
what's the story behind red light therapy even, you know, like, was there a monumental moment that somebody, you know, discovered that that's the theory? Like, why is it not, you know, blue light therapy or whatever? Like, yeah. why, how did that happen? Do you know that history? So, you know, uh, when they first invented, like, one of the first lasers in the 1960s, um, they were, I guess, you know, the scientists were very excited. They were testing it on cancers and rats and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was Ender Meister uh, was a researcher, and he tried to to study. What, I, and I'm I'm trying to track down this history. If he was trying to cause cancer in rats, or if he was trying to um, burn off cancer in mm -hmm. rats with a high powered laser. Um, but what happened was he. He miscalibrated his laser. He got the wrong laser. It was much lower intensity, so it didn't do anything to the cancer, which is which is a good thing. Right. Um, sometimes people ask if if lasers and LEDs will cause cancer, which they don't. They don't seem to. Mm -hmm. um, well, usually, the opposite. It supports healthy cells. Mm -hmm. um, but he noticed that the rats that he did incisions on and he and he shaved them uh, to do the treatments, they're the ones that he treated, the hair was growing back faster and the wounds were healing faster than the control group. Hmm. Um, so he was like, wow, this this is really something. So that's, you know, even in the 1960s, that kind of sparked this low intensity laser. You know, after the fact, he realized he was using a low, low intensity laser that wouldn't burn anything. Um, and that's really where it started. So, um, you know, it, I think it takes a long time, especially for Western medicine to take anything that's kind of natural and holistic oh yeah at least 50 uh, years so, yeah for sure right so yeah. it's uh, we're so far behind you know i i've seen um i think maybe you know korea and china are are more into the far infrared therapies japan's more into the far infrared therapies at least like light you know different types of these wavelengths of, of therapy mm -hmm. um but the u.s is really resistant and i think one of the big things was uh tina karu was a researcher that found um the absorption bands for cytochrome C oxidase, which is the enzyme that controls our, our uh, ATP production mm -hmm. in the in the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. And so when she found, you know, there were kind of peaks of absorption that matched up with these red and near infrared wavelengths that we keep talking about. Um, and those peaks of absorption kind of matched with this mechanism of upregulating the cytochrome C oxidase, releasing nitric oxide, um, it creates kind of reactive oxygen species as a signaling kind of molecule, mm -hmm. helps with DNA transcription, helps with like cell proliferation, all these great downstream effects, but they finally linked it to a mechanism. So with, again, with Western medicine, we got to have a mechanism. You, you can't just magically, yeah, yeah, you can't just yeah. magically be curing people with, <laughs> with no clue of how it's working. That is so true, that, man. That would, you have to, you have to wait for a mechanism. And, and then, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have to experiment and prove that there's a way to not do that with the same thing. That that means it's not that healing and it's not that good. Turn it on. Yeah, right, right, right. It always has to be the swing. Switch. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, so you got to have that. So I think that mechanism was really pivotal. I think a lot of people take that for granted and it okay, it might not be the right mechanism. Yeah, there's I, you know, I've heard yeah, I've there's going down mechanisms. Yes. Uh, yes. Or multiple, yes. you know, multiple mechanisms uh there's the easy like I said the easy water where mechanism where it absorbs uh, easy water is a fancy way of saying structured water right. except it's not that fancy foo-foo 
structured not bottle the shit where they that you pour down a, glass a filter with the inscription <laughs> of the word love on it and they just use some structure <laughs> oh God. no andrew you just a lot of people just hit dislike on this fucking website on this episode <laughs> or, so the, anyway. or those little like have you seen those like little like they're always like golden or copper little filters that you just pour water through and it says oh it's structured now and it's just like yeah yeah it's an air it's a fancy uh, wine aerator yeah but it's it's like even like even the wine aerator looks nice nicer like i don't even know it's just like a hole you're like what the fuck did that do like are you serious oh my god Uh, that's the worst so yeah and then you they'll show you like snowflakes (laughs) the word love to one of them and they whispered the word hate to the other one but anyway true (laughs) so um Easy water is Easy exclusion water. zone water. Uh, Gerald Pollack's uh, group uh, has studied it. There's free research articles on PubMed about it. There's uh, He's got a book called The Fourth Phase of Water, um, which basically when light, you know, particularly infrared, but when light hits water and it's near a hydrophobic surface, which means a water-loving surface like our, our tissues and, and, and things like that, it will create layers of exclusion zone water, which is kind of, they call it like a gel-like water. Mm-hmm. So it's got very different properties. It's got, you know, it's it's arranging itself into a, a right kind of structure. And supposedly that's critical for some of our uh, intercellular processes in our membranes, in our mitochondria, and in our cells. And it helps them work more efficiently when you get that light. And, um, you know, they say it's like a battery that can store energy as well it can absorb uv light better Mm -hmm. uh, which apparently helps you know store that energy and protects us from uv Mm -hmm. um so it's really amazing so again that's one of the mechanisms that i've seen another author say hey we don't all have to buy into this cco dogma you can you can get into the easy water mechanism as well which there's you know a higher probability there's more water in our cells than these these ccos so there's a higher probability that eventually the light will be absorbed into water than it would with the, with the mitochondrial um, aspect. So, yeah. So the, anyway, so the mechanisms is a huge part of yeah. getting the mainstream adoption, um, I think. And and I think it's been people don't talk about that as much. Um, but I think that's a big part of getting the scientists on board, doing more research, having having something. And so now, you know, you can go on PubMed and search these different terms like low-level laser therapy, uh, LLLT. And that's the same thing as red light therapy, right? That's just a different way of saying so, they're just, like said, uh-huh. Most of the studies on PBM, uh, you know, photobiomodulation, most of the studies do use red and near-infrared, but they don't exclusively have to. So most of the time they are. Um, but... So anyway, so but it does match with Tina Caru's um, peaks that she found were in the six six hundred nanometers and eight hundreds. Um, mm-hmm. So that was pivotal. So, and then now we see, you know, the cost. You know, the cost of LEDs have gone down. So before, you know, maybe even ten years ago, you get a low uh, a light therapy device would be ten thousand dollars. It would be a laser or it'd yes. be something fancy and expensive. Um, yeah, man, that so brings us the- to that question, right? Because it's uh, when I started looking at this stuff, you know, and wanting to get one of those things, you know, I think Juve was one of those earlier companies, right? And their shit was so expensive, I couldn't afford any of it. I was well, I was just like, I didn't think I was, I didn't think it was worth it, you know. And why are certain brands 
uh, red light therapy devices so marked up versus you know other ones where it seem a little more reasonably priced like yours. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, most of them are business and marketing reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, like I said, before, Ju- let's imagine Juve didn't exist because that's makes things a little bit more safe. Ah, boom! <laughs> like, Legend. It's just like they wrecked this whole industry. Yeah. But before Juve, <laughs> They, you know, they had to go through FDA uh, clearance or approval, um, whether it's a laser or an LED, in order to make uh, medical claims. Like uh, Light Stim has been around for a while, and they do a lot of um, skincare stuff, and so they can make claims about anti-wrinkle, uh, you know, uh, improving your your skin and whatnot. There's Omni Lux, which is another brand that's been around, and they have clinical trials, and so mm-hmm. these companies have done the work. Mm-hmm. They they did the clinical trials. They got the FDA clearance. That, like this yeah. is the right way to do things. Um, and you know, then they have to be careful how they how they market it. Still, if even if you're FDA cleared for one indication, you can't make claims about another. So you know, they went through the process. They pay their dues to the FDA, and and you know, it creates a big markup just just for all that extra. R&D and development and testing and clinical studies uh, that they had to go through. Um, so, you know, I don't have a, a, a hard time with, with if, if they have to charge a high price. Now, I think, you know, they're making more consumer grade devices, too, that are cheaper, mm-hmm. uh, even from those brands. But w- right around when Juve came out, the FDA had just created a new guideline on low risk general wellness devices mm-hmm. and basically means uh, like your Fitbit, your fitness tractors, your Aura Ring that's monitoring your health, your heart rate, your, you know, these are amazing medical devices. But the FDA is like, we don't want to regulate this because that's too, like, there's just too many. Apple's including it in their, in their phones and their watches. Ah, okay, um, mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, as long as you don't make any medical claims about it, you're not treating or diagnosing or preventing diseases. Uh, you're just monitoring, you know, heart rate and, and, and vital signs, I guess. Um, you know, they, they don't want to regulate. You don't have to register. You don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. That's what Juve came in with. And that's what I came in with after them and all these other companies was that it's, it's now, you know, LEDs are safe. You can't hurt yourself, so you don't need the FDA clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can use them to support general wellness, like the clause says. Um, so really, you don't have to go through all the hoops that the FDA used to make companies. Mm-hmm. So and that's, it's still like that, you're saying? Right now, yeah. yeah. Okay. Except, you know, again, Uh-oh. now we, we're talking about Juve. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they claim to be FDA at one point, FDA approved at one point, and then they realized that they weren't. Ooh. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, hear that. I missed that whole. See, okay. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I know they have some of their panels in places like the Mayo Clinic. I do know that because I have some friends. That have, yeah, they have them there. I mean, I don't know if the they. The Heinz Mayo Clinic. The the what? The Heinz Mayo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The mayonnaise clinic. The yeah, mayonnaise yeah, yeah. Clinic. yeah. yeah. I've, I've Love that some, stuff and a good sub mayonnaise. sandwich. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, yeah. They've, got, they've got studies. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. That they're paying a lot of money to. Be well, sure. that's kind of what I was going to tell you, because I do know a scientist that, yeah, that's basically that was the deal. He he was a, uh, let's say, researcher at, at there. And yeah, it was like 
that sort of incentive of like, oh, right. do this and do these studies. And then it's kind of like, you know, make it make us look good kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Make us look good. That's all. That's yeah. all that you really care about. <laughs> exactly. So they I, I mean, I think eventually they're they're categorized as an FDA class two device. Again, I think even they got that through a loophole. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not. As far as I know, they're not FDA approved which at one point they were claiming to be, mm. and I, I have the evidence so that I can say this on, on your show here. Awesome. Uh, but, <laughs> anyway, um, but anyway, so they still can't make any medical claims because they, they're registered under some weird loophole, and mm. so they can only make claims like they're a heat lamp, but they're not a heat lamp. America. Uh, so, I I don't, I, so, I don't, so you're paying for, again, you're paying for the marketing aspect of them registering with the FDA. Right. So, right. you know what I mean? Of and course. that only came with their second generation of Juve, not with, their first generation is the same as me. They, they, they just, you didn't have to register. You, you still don't need to register as wow. far as I think V light, which makes the helmets on your head and, and the intranasal units. Yeah. 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 You're marketing for, for also somehow under the table, they're marketing it for like Alzheimer's and, and brain diseases, but wow, I'm that's sure they're not even FDA anything, you know mm. what I mean? Because they're following the same guidelines as me, but they have legit studies too. But they, you know, I mean, um, the, are, are they just waiting for like that's crazy with the FDA with a like an LED panel? Mm -hmm. It's it's more of a marketing thing, so yeah. So, as far as if you take your, your panel and another company's panel, can you tell like what should people be looking for, you know, like? The, the, you know, okay, to get the therapeutic effects, there, somebody yeah. is interested in getting a red light uh, panel. You know, yeah. what what are they looking for? Could you like explain? You, you know, because right. a lot of them just say, right, uh, high powered or high the, powered. the best, the best powered medical yeah. device on the market. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> I'm uh, like, I get the ads from all my competitors because once you Google search red light therapy, you get. Oh yeah. <laughs> If you think about red light therapy, you'll get ads. Like, dude, you, know you gotta I mean? have a VPN these days. I'm yeah. telling you. I know. Yeah, dude. I I was looking for. I one time looked uh, on Google for a chair. Just just a chair. I just needed a chair. And dude, for two weeks straight, I've had chair on my Instagram, on my fucking right. everywhere. Anyway, it's just yeah. funny. Man. No, it's it's great. So, I mean, they have a lot of money to run run these ads. Um, but so, what are people looking for when they're um? trying to get yeah, a red you, light panel you want the correct wavelengths which is that's the easiest part to do because like i said leds can hit certain band gaps of of wavelengths and those those are pretty easy to hit i still third third party test my wavelengths to make sure we're we're in the right ranges mm -hmm. then um you want enough intensity you don't want too much intensity you don't want too little intensity mm -hmm. it's there's kind of like a sweet spot in the middle that that gets you the stimulation gets you the benefits uh again you can overdose if you do it too long and how is that described or measured you know when you're looking like too much intensity not enough intensity is that measured in? it's it's kind of described in the science as a biphasic dose response that basically mm -hmm. there's no downside to it but it's just you start to diminish your results because it's leading to cellular kind of inhibition mm -hmm. of the benefits you want um and it's kind of almost like subjective to, to people. Like if you're not getting results, you're either underdosing or overdosing. Mm -hmm. And most of the times the studies say they, they were overdosed when, mm -hmm. when they, when they um, got, got a lack of 
results. Okay, so but, it's nothing specific to the light that it's too strong or whatever. The wavelengths are there. So, yeah, we measure the intensity. So we make sure, um, you know, as long as you're within like five to, I'd say 50 is the max, five to 50 milliwatts per centimeter squared, that's a good range. A lot of my competitors, they say, oh, you need 100, you need over 100. That's big. That's a big difference from 15 to 100. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, wow. you know, it's just out of control. I'm like, I can find direct studies that say these are the right intensities mm -hmm. and to not use 100 or more when my competitors will literally say you only need 100 to be effective. <laughs> and it's just mind-blowing how, like, little research they do. If it ain't like, first, you're last, Andrew, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> just like, so, but then it goes into, um, they created this strong narrative, again, you can find high intensity studies with lasers because mm -hmm. it's a very small point and and so the area is small so it turns out to be a high intensity but it's a low power output because a laser you can have a five milliwatt laser that's your pen laser that you play with the cat with mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the spot size is so small that could be 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared so you could find a couple of those studies and say oh you need 100 mm. from, but just from small laser studies but mm -hmm. it's just not you can, yeah. how do you, how can you compare that to a giant panel it's tiny yeah okay yeah. it's a tiny yeah. spot. It's just how do you compare that that um so <laughs> uh -huh. anyway yeah and basically with too much intensity like i said you get the heating effect so if you want a heating effect get a heat lamp uh you know i mean if you want a high intensity led panel you're, you're gonna get more and more heating and the, the more heating you get the less effects you get in the long term or you know again you could be overheating your skin mm -hmm. um so i get my panels third party measured again a, a, a laboratory over in um pennsylvania mm -hmm. most of my competitors they started out including juve with measuring with a solar power meter which is this cheap device you can get it for 80 bucks on amazon mm -hmm. and it measures it's used to measure sunlight you know if you if you if you're installing like solar light panels and you want to know what angle to put your light panels at mm -hmm. or if you um some people use it to me measure like sunlight going through your glass windows or your tints but it's not calibrated right for red and near infrared lights it measures falsely high by two oh. okay. so these companies they created a narrative well actually they measured their panels wrong and got these crazy high numbers mm -hmm. that they don't know what the meaning of was obviously and it's not even important that they're that high, right? Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. right. It's kind of important. Okay. But, you know, again, the, the guys running these businesses are marketing majors. They're right. business majors. They don't know <laughs> a thing about science or, or health or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they measure these. You know, they see these high numbers. They get the cartoon dollar signs in their eyes. <laughs> oh, high number. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so then they create a narrative of like, oh, you really need this high intensity to be effective. Okay. And now that they all know that they're lying, they can't back out of it. So all all these companies are in a stalemate of who who will like stop lying first, but none wow. of them. Um, so it's a it's it's pretty amazing. It's <laughs> just absurd. So you know, they, so they'll never admit that they did something wrong. Um, but what are the, if we're looking at the studies, the, the majority of the studies, what was the the number that, you know, it's not too little intensity, it's not too much intensity? What is that number? What is that range? It's, they say 
once you get to 50 milliwatts per centimeter squared and above, mm-hmm. that's when you have to start worrying about uh, skin hyperthermia, basically overheating your skin. So you and can actually damage your skin if you're doing it too much. Yeah, if you if you raise your skin temperature above, I think they usually they say around 39 Celsius, which mm-hmm. is pretty pretty high. I forget what what it is in Fahrenheit, but. Um, once you get past that, if you sustain that level for too long or you do it repeatedly, like you're doing it every day with it, with a panel or whatever, then you, yeah, you are breaking down collagen in your skin or, or causing detrimental effects. You know, again, it's, it's a bigger risk with heat lamps and with uh, heating pads that you put on the skin, um, but it's still possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, and they say definitely after 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared, that's when you really need to watch out for overheating your skin. Okay. Um, so. There, I mean, uh, you know, they were they're pretty clear on that. Like I said, unless it's a small laser, which once it hits the skin, it diffuses through, mm-hmm. so it's not as it's a smaller amount of power. So it's that's why you can't. We have the problem is there's not a lot of studies on these red light panels. So even though they all say we're clinically studied, we have six thousand studies backing us up, or ten thousand studies. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Studies, I, right? I, I was trained. You know, I was trained to read scientific studies. Where's that from? Laser. Sp- oh, that, that's Austin Powers, isn't yeah. it? I was thinking, where is that? La- you said laser in this, and I was, where's that Please. from? Laser. Yeah, every- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> classic. Another classic. <laughs> But so, um, uh-huh. there's only uh, five or six studies on full body red light therapy. In, wow. In, oh, and I have them all listed in and one block. And full body, meaning a bunch of panels around you or what? What does that yeah, look like? Usually top and bottom panels. Uh, most of them were done with the Novothor brand. Um, but a couple of them were with random Chinese panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, top and bottom, full body exposure. There's only, I think there's five, and then there's two that they're planning on doing soon. Mm. But that's the entire body of science that mm-hmm. we're going off of. For, to, to, oh, yeah, for full body stuff. For full body. And like I said, the intensity range from, of those studies is usually between, I think, 15 to 50 milliwatts mm-hmm. per centimeter squared. I've never seen one that goes... 100 or 200 or something crazy you need a reasonable amount you again you're now you're engulfing the whole body in this intensity so it's Mm -hmm. a lot of power um so there's only you know like i said five studies on full body light therapy i've been working on another blog well i did another blog where everyone says oh we have the best clinically studied wavelengths of 660 and 850 the two wavelengths that juve uses mm-hmm. and yeah it's like this mass what's it called psychosis where if everyone's just repeating the same lie yeah. over and over it just somehow becomes They're the true. best yeah i got you man <laughs> so i i tried to break it down i mean i could only find like 20 some odd maybe 30 studies that use that combination of 660 and 850 mm-hmm. and again most of the times we were small handheld clusters that you hold on the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see how you can claim those are the best wavelengths because there's only 30 out of 6,000 studies wow. that, <laughs> that use this combination. Like, where are we getting this information? Um, so, and then I'm doing another uh, review kind of like that where there's a big problem with um, being a distance away from your panels or from. Uh, red light therapy devices, lasers. Most of the lasers, they'll put press right into the skin mm-hmm. because your skin naturally reflects red and near infrared light. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you're standing six inches away, like how Juve says and all these companies say you got to be at least six inches away, a lot of the light reflects off your skin and, and it's not absorbed. It doesn't obviously benefit oh, so you. So there was actually way. a downside of being too close it's, to the light. There's a downside. No, there's a downside if you're too far away. So mm-hmm. most of the time they press the light right on the, the skin. So to eliminate the reflection losses and you get Oh, to eliminate. Absorbed. Okay, okay. I thought you were saying that it somehow doesn't get absorbed because it's, you're too close away and it reflects it. But you're saying you want to be as close as possible. It's just going to bounce off and go off into the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so most of the studies, you know, they, they're very clear about this. They press it into the skin and that helps with absorption and penetration and, and getting, you know, the right dose because they can't even control the dose. If you tell someone, okay, stand six inches away, don't fidget or, or move around too much. Um, you know, even Doc, I think Dr. Hamlin was laughing on a, like, how are you going to control the dose of like, um, telling someone to be six inches away. But so that's a big problem. You know, there's not a lot of studies that use non-contact red light therapy treatment. So again, that's another downfall with, if you're really talking about therapeutic application is most of the therapeutic application was using LED clusters or pads Mm -hmm. that they press onto the skin to eliminate the reflection loss, it's harder to figure out the dose because it's much more superficial. Mm. If six inches away or 12 inches away, you still get benefits. A lot of people are getting benefits, but we don't know, you know, what's the science behind doing non-contact treatment. So, but it seems uh, that most of the studies are done on contact, meaning right, with the, the contact. Right. And like I said, I'm trying to comb through the, the research and, and maybe I can find another, you know, 20 or 30 with non-contact LED Mm-hmm. devices and again that's not a lot to go on if we want to be really scientific about it yeah um, and do things the right way then we should look at the right context of the the science and not just be making up what you know whatever we feel like yeah yeah, like, yeah. so study, do, yeah. do you have yeah. any devices that are contact like yeah, that, so that most are... of my small devices i i encourage being co- contact use um like my yeah all of my small panels my Kemba Red Rex my Kemba Red Groove um the vector panels like this this small mm-hmm. panel you just say hey just slap it right on your, your oh, skin literally right. you can just lay it down and you're just good to go on your area whatever yeah, you're looking you turn for it on, you just lay it wherever you're trying to target mm-hmm. and it's easier you don't have to get out a tape measure to say okay <laughs> right, right, right. All these pictures of like, yeah. Oh, you know, they're treating their arm like this, and they're hovering it way too far away, right? Ten okay. inches away, and how you have to hold it like this for ten minutes, and that's annoying. Yeah, Who yeah, wants yeah. To <laughs> Just slap it on your skin and, yeah. and relax. So I've seen um, some of those that like little neck straps that people have been using. You know, it's just like maybe two of those you know devices that are strapped on a, on a neck thing, you know, like a whatever, a choker kind of thing, and they're just around and, you know, it's touching your neck. You don't have to do anything if you're trying to uh, get results on your thyroid or yeah, whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of um, flexible LED pads that are, are in lower power, and I think I'm helping people realize that it's okay to be lower power, especially if you're using it on the skin. So I think I've helped brought a lot of sanity to this yeah. industry. Oh, why are these low power LED pads working so well? It's because they're using them on the skin. So Mm-hmm. It's again, it's helping people. You know, I don't sell LED pads, so it doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, most of these panels, they're pretty high power, especially if if you lay them on your skin and do a couple minutes per spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so it's wavelength intensity, skin contact or non-contact. You just that needs need to understand and recon, reconcile that difference. Um, and then um, 
you know, it's not mentioned in the studies, but you want low EMF products, you want low flicker products, um, you know, again, just for kind of a safety thing that, you know, people will say, oh, well, they don't mention anything about flicker or EMF in the, the red light therapy studies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, a lot of people are getting cheap crap from Alibaba and yeah. rebranding it. Then who knows what the EMFs levels are yeah, yeah, of yeah, all yeah, these yeah. random panels on the market. So, you know, I work really hard to get um, the design, get the EMFs out of most of my, you know, all my products um, or reduce it as much as possible for the big panels. You still have uh, fans inside that, that generate some magnetic field mm-hmm. and then the power drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, those are converting AC to DC, but high power power drivers will create some magnetic field. And that's where they started telling you to be six inches away way back, you know, like I said, when when in 2016, they they said that just to be outside the EMF field. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with clinical science. <laughs> and so uh, it, it was all a marketing gimmick to say, oh, if we know our panels are high intensity, just stand high, high EMF to uh-huh. stay six inches away and you won't get hurt by the EMF. So that's uh, like a whole giant topic too, man. Right. With the EMF stuff, it's like, oh my God, I don't know who to listen to anymore, right? You have the people that kind of wear the aluminum foil hats, right? And they're, you know, I don't know, sensitive completely to everything. Um, I mean, like, even if it's like, a, okay, like a phone, how concerned are you about such things like that, you know, with EMF? Yeah. I, I mean, I use my phone during the day. I use my computer during the day. I do use Wi-Fi and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I seem to be okay mm-hmm. with all that. I have a outlet timer on my Wi-Fi adapter at night. So it automatically switches oh. off my Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think at midnight and then comes back on at like uh, 6 a.m. the next day. So I don't have to, you know, go out of my way to unplug it and replug it. And it helps force you to turn off, stop checking your stuff, go to bed. Um, so I think it's a really good habit to, to force onto you. Um, and again, it's only a, whatever, a $20 eBay outlet timer that just turns on and yeah, off. Super good tip. Uh, yeah. Super yeah, easy. No, it's, it's huge. So some, some people get those cages that they put on the Wi-Fi router, but I think it just amps up the signal to get past it. <laughs> you mean you know the Faraday I mean? cages, or what do you mean? Is that right. what you're talking yeah, about? Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Faraday cage around. Well, uh, hey, man, I know some people that yeah. sleep in a Faraday cage yeah, yeah. bed. You know, they have it right. surrounded. I, I don't know, man. The thing is, like, we're so... <laughs> Look, it's probably not good for us, but it's definitely right. almost impossible to uh, escape if you live in a, even a small city, right? Because it's just like yeah. Bluetooth. I mean, you know, you turn on your phone and there's like 30 Wi-Fis around you. So it's like, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I live, you know, I live in a small town, so there's not much uh, from my neighbors. I barely get any uh, cell signal from my house. So, mm. you know, I did try to move away. I, I did a lot of travel um, in big cities and um Guangzhou, China, in uh, Shenzhen, China. I lived in um, downtown Auckland, New Zealand for Holy shit, like man. six months. Hold on, China and then New Zealand. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. How is, so I, how I is China, China, man? You got to tell me about China. How was China that? China is cool. <laughs> you enjoy that? <laughs> no post-COVID, but I went, you know, long before uh, COVID. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I, li- I lived in Guangzhou, China for about six months and Guangzhou is uh, southern China, so it's really hot and humid, mm-hmm. and it's really brutal. There's a lot of pollution, um, so it really messed me up. So oh, fuck you yeah, could man. barely go outside, 
and you get slapped by humidity and pollution and, and then you just go back inside and it's just not <laughs> even worth, worth doing much. Um, but that's how it, where I met my first um, factory uh, in Shenzhen. I took the high speed train to Shenzhen mm -hmm. and um, met with my first factory there. But then um, uh, Chengdu, China was, was amazing. So it's much less pollution, a lot more parks, a lot more nature. They have the panda sanctuary out there, so you can see the pandas. Um, cool. Yeah, but I love the, I mean, the infrastructure of China is amazing. Even a lot of the signage was written in English and Chinese, so I could get around the city on all the all the subways and the, the high-speed trains. So easy to get around, great infrastructure, great cleaning you know cleaning the this the is not good sidewalks. andrew you're making china sound too good i don't like there's it no, it's not good <laughs> no on the sidewalks and all this stuff like there's always someone sweeping up the sidewalks and they're so happy about it <laughs> um but no so yeah it was a great great country to, to be in for for a short time but like i said the food wasn't great for me you know a lot of a lot of carbs a lot of stuff fried in fried, oils yeah a lot of fried uh, chips. The sleep wasn't good because it's a mega city and there's always lights and who knows emfs and stuff like that um so you know it was rough uh, all this travel was was rough on my my body oh but, yeah um, and then yeah. and then you moved from there to new zealand is that how it went or what yeah so my my wife had a job where um, she was she was traveling. We were traveling all over the world, and I I quit my engineering job and I was traveling with her. Mm -hmm. And then I had a bright idea to start a red light therapy company while I was I was traveling. So mm -hmm. uh, you know who can ever let themselves enjoy something? <laughs> travel just. So, you know, I'm working and now I'm in, in Auckland, New Zealand, working on my new business and trying to enjoy the hobbit holes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and their so, daily rain, right? How is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it didn't rain too much. Uh, so we, yeah. Really? We stayed in downtown Auckland. I mean, I couldn't even sleep there because we had like a street light near me and you know, we had <laughs> like cars and like, you know, what I mean, you think it's such a pristine place, but if you're in the middle of a city, you know, it's, it's not good for you. So, but. Yeah. Amaz obviously amazing country it's like you can just drive around and every you know 15 or 20 minutes you're in a different like biosphere of like oh beautiful beaches and this like crazy like you know uh, volcano formed you know feature yeah. and then you go to another area like oh all these rocks and all this hiking and all these great fields and it, like just everywhere like Lord of the Rings uh, shit huh yeah. yeah it's just amazing but like you you can see so much. You can go um, down south and see the fjords and see the snow, like there's snow and skiing and all this stuff. So just endless, endless stuff. Man, do. I would go. It's just so fucking far away, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, traveling being hard, I don't know. Every time I fly, I'm just ruined. Even if it's like a five-hour flight, I just hate the whole process of it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it's going through the security, the TSA, the all that, or just being up in the air. I don't, I don't know. But I, I get exhausted. I, I really don't. I, I mean, in a way, I'm jealous of people that, like, enjoy getting on a plane and, like, flying for 17 hours or whatever the fuck it is to New Zealand. I don't know, man. It just kills me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's brutal. And then it's like, if you, if you don't live there, you're only there for vacation for a week or two. It's hard to get your circadian rhythm back. Yeah, on and come back. Oh, yeah. While you're trying to sightsee and, and hike and do all this stuff. But, um, yeah. you know, there's some hacks. Like, I do... Um, 
molecular hydrogen. You do those tablets that bubble up in water. Yeah. And those are great antioxidants to do on the plane. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, sneak on a couple tablets and drop it into the your water. I do love those, man. And, those. and just, just like non-scientifically speaking, you know, it just does feel more airy and tasty. The water t is like so much better after you drop one of those in there. No, right? I feel like really clear headed. I took one this morning for this interview. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, no, it, it, the molecular hydrogen. And, you know, I think Dr. McCullough and some of these other biohackers will say, yeah, that's like part of their um, flying routine to mitigate all the stresses of flying and, and whatnot. Um, but then, yeah, it's a lot about man manipulating your lights um, wearing, you know, wearing blue blockers, especially if you're flying, uh, you know, at night, uh, where, you know, travel with um, eye masks and, and blackout tape and all this stuff. So when you get to your hotel room, you, you co cover up all the lights and shut all the blinds and get um, that cave you know. going. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You create, so create your little do you, cave. Do you fuck around with taking your own, like, light bulbs with you or anything like that are you uh you yeah, oh yeah i used to travel we would travel with a biomat which a mini biomat which is the far infrared yeah i remember those mat. yeah yeah and tsa would always take a look at it They'd oh really like, <laughs> what is this and i'll be like it's for my diabetes don't worry about <laughs> it <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> but <laughs> they're like but like it lights up this the x-ray because it's all these rocks like the amethyst and whatever crystals uh -huh. and so, so i'm sure it looks nuts under uh, yeah and i'll have a, a couple of my you know led panels like a small one or a big one um and you know those go through no problem and uh yeah and you know usually most of my power adapters can work internationally so if you have the right outlet adapter you can plug them in right mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah so yeah. i always do red light therapy light therapies blue blockers all, you know, all kinds of supplements for travel. Changing out light bulbs out of hotels, anything like that. You uh, know what I, I mean? Just use my, I just use my panels for. Oh, you don't even light. turn it on. Ah, that's yeah. that's fucking I, smart. Because a lot of times they're now they're built in. You know, it's, you can't always swap out the light bulb, so it's mm. easier just to bring your own lamps or whatever. Yeah, man, it kills me. I, you know, I, I I work in gyms a lot, so like I'll go into a gym and it's just like those always those incandescent giant bulbs. Yeah. And the fluorescent, the big two. Fluorescent, I'm sorry. Yeah, fluorescent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. Brutal. I cannot, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand how people work under those things for eight hours a day. A lot of people do. Right. Kills no, me. Kills so stressful. me. Stressful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So what, what can people do if instead of, what, what would be, uh, like, let's say you are in charge of setting up an office space. What would you use instead of those bulbs? Uh, you can find, um, you know, uh, basically, uh, LED retrofit tube lights that are that you can try to swap in, but sometimes the fluorescent uh, fixtures will have the ballasts built built in. So sometimes it's better just to start brand new with with new you know whole new lighting fixtures and the bulbs. Mm -hmm. But you can find you know low flicker LED tube lights. Um, there's a bunch. So they of do exist the same do. the oh, same yeah. style, but just low low yeah, flicker. Yeah, like waveform lighting does a lot of professional grade stuff. Um, there's a lot of companies that are coming out with like human centric lighting or human, you know, lighting that's Good designed. Good to hear. I, I didn't know that, honestly, man. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to market for it again. You know, is it marketing, and are they really doing the right things? Well, yeah. Or, uh, you know, is it just marketing? So, um, you know, you you still got to check it out. But yeah, there's there's little thicker stuff. There's you would go a little bit lower Kelvin, so it's not too harsh on the eyes, um, and be mindful of. Yeah, how much EMFs are going on in a 
in a gym if everyone's got their phone they're blasting wi-fi signals Tons. everywhere yeah. um so you know it's it's and even the what the mats and the rubber and the sweat and the air conditioning oh, like everything how, about how it, good yeah. is, it's and the people so, that you fucking hate being around <laughs> i mean you know it's like right we're sounding like doom and gloom but i mean it is what it is like what do you want yeah. me like and it's just you know yeah it's rough environment man I don't know, but if I guess if you're, I mean, hey, the way to go if you're able to work from home, like a lot of people have switched over to working from home, right? You can, uh, you can just use your red lights as your light, like you said. You're probably not getting enough. uh, You're not close enough, obviously, like we talked about, right, to get some of the beneficial effects. But you're getting light, and maybe you're still getting some, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so any have you? I mean, and it's not scientific, you know. But have you heard? Have you had anybody contact you or people tell you some? crazy healing stories anything like that anything really that kind of you know thought you thought oh wow that's amazing you know somebody got really better using some of my products yeah yeah i think i think you know any any effect is amazing um i have had a couple guys say you know it boosts their sex drive they say it's boosted their testosterone but i don't think they actually Mm -hmm. tested it yeah, you know, well, so, subjectively, I'm right? Skeptical yeah. <laughs> of, of those those claims, even like I said, from my own uh, customers. But you know, those claims have been sure. whipping around so much. Oh uh, yeah, speaking of that state. company that shall not be named yeah, anymore. Right. Yeah, that that one is a big one. And yeah. I mean, look, I mean, even if okay, there is also the possibility of it was boosted, but boosted while you were using it, say, and then right. it, it goes away. Test, yeah. So does it, what does that really mean, right? It's right. like, you know, it's just like an effect, right? If I punch you in the face, your face is going to hurt. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, always hurting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, if that makes sense, that, that, that analogy makes sense. But, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but it's more like... <laughs> the opposite, though. The opposite right. of what I said. It's like... <laughs> A testimonial is it proves correlate. It doesn't even prove anything, but it's correlation. It's not causation. Yeah. Right. Uh, because you know you need a controlled study to to really understand the variables. And just one person with an anecdote that they increase testosterone. That's great for them uh, if you know if it's true. But you need more rigorous science to to do that. Um, but anyway, so. You know, I use my stuff on my family. My mom I use for for pain and and for you know um, she's got Parkinson's disease, so it helps with the uh, you know the, the the tremor and with the mm. shake and with the pain. Um, so so I got I have her wrapped up in LED pads and panels and stuff uh, mm. when she sits on her recliner and she'll she'll relax under under red lights and it helps her fall asleep and and use all that a lot of times i get reports with people with falling asleep that they gotta have the red light panel for sleep uh, you know whether oh. they're using it i think a lot of times they use that at night on the chest mm-hmm. and it helps stimulate stimulate melatonin production you use it at night don't use it on your head or your eyes at night but it helps stimulate melatonin production if you use it on the chest at night and then um, in the mornings you can use it as a bright light therapy on the eyes and the face in the mornings most of the panels mm-hmm. um, you aim it at the face and it's kind of like a bright light therapy especially if you can't get out in the sun um, so all that helps with sleep i think sleep is like you know kind of a subtle thing and and people are oh well i, I don't care about uh, my sleep and yet a huge sleep thing is yeah. amazing right <laughs> sleep is so critical for yes. every disease um so if you can help with that it helps with everything else um you know i hear you know guys who work out um they say their recovery is better they get less soreness and things like that um you know it's, it helps with blood flow there's tons of studies on athletic performance so it's not not a big surprise um 
though. What else? Yeah, back you know back pain. People use it. I've used it for my back pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know other people are using it for back pain. So, um, yeah, really, it's 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 great. I think. Uh, and just so let's say you're using it for back pain, just laying down on your belly, say, and just putting put putting a panel right on your back and just laying. There. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're sitting up, um, usually if I'm sitting on a chair, I can wedge a panel right behind oh. me. Oh, okay. And it just sits upright, and you do the low back, and it's great. Like it's so because so most of my panels good, are pretty thin and lightweight. Mm-hmm. And a good dose, like how how long would you do that for an average person? For like my Groove and Rex panel, I'd say about twenty minutes. You okay. do twenty minutes, and that's it. Like you don't have to wait. You know, do it for hours and hours and hours. Feel something time. like you just do twenty minutes, and sometimes when you turn it off, this when a lot of the mechanisms actually start to happen and they happen for several hours after the treatment. Yeah. Um, More so, is yeah, not better super... again, right? It's not like working out all day means it's better. It's just work <laughs> exactly. out a little bit and then go rest. So yep. same yep. idea could just be. Like okay. yep. Yeah, so you do the dose. Uh, yeah, about 20 minutes with some of the higher intensity ones will be like five minutes, like I said, per spot. So that way you can cover a couple different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of depends on the intensity but usually 20 minutes seems to be a sweet spot with with led panels like my full body panels you'll do maybe 10 minutes in front and then turn around and do another 10 minutes on the back mm-hmm. a lot of girls are using those uh face masks things now right well they'll yep. they'll, they'll uh do you, do you have any of those yet like, no i don't do the face you masks. gotta get some man they're popular <laughs> with the chicks i'm telling know, you but again, they're so they're getting really oversaturated with how many different face masks there are and and you know a lot of them look identical because they're coming from the same factory the same factory in china <laughs> so, so it's like kind of you know sometimes it gets embarrassing when you see reviews yeah, yeah, yeah. and you see the same product <laughs> lined up next to each other just but, has a different sticker on it right that's it yeah right. just different lego but you know i'll say get a panel you can set it on your table mm-hmm. and then aim it you know just aim it at your face so that way you don't have to smush you know a plastic thing on your you know mask on your face you can have it comfortably at a distance away that you know your skin's very responsive to red light therapy so you don't have to smush it on the face um you can be about you know six to twelve inches away mm-hmm. and it covers most of the face you don't need to wear a big you know a mask, mask. And, and it's more fast you know it's more versatile it's more sturdy that you just kind of can use it for different areas. And too. you can use it for different areas. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, right? Because right. then you're just stuck with this thing that's only then for your face. Then it's just a mask. Like, okay, maybe I'll wrap this mask on my Around shoulder. my shoulder. So, yeah, so panels. And how? what's the biggest, like, panels that you have? How long are those? I have um, my overclocked panel, which is, like, a, a really good kind of size and price point. Um, it's, uh, what's it, 42 inches tall. So it's, uh, what's it, almost three and a half, three and a half feet. Tall, mm-hmm. and then uh, about ten inches wide, and so that covers, you know, most of your torso. So it's not about, uh, you know, I don't want to over-design something that's massive and a bodysuit made of red it's, light. Yeah, if it's larger than the size of your body, then it's kind of inefficient because a lot of the lights just going. Right. Where you're not treating your walls, you're trying to treat your body. So mm-hmm. I try to make it very efficiently <laughs> sized. To be like most of your body size and not like this oversized thing that, you know, again, is it more like a placebo of feeling like this grand panel is, is covering your whole wall and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, is pretty much, be- though. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely a placebo. Right. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, again, sometimes people feel like they have to pay a lot of money or get something that's massively oversized. 
you know, you don't. And, and that's that's what I try to convey, not mm. just with what, you know, my, my marketing and my blogs, but with the product design themselves, being very practical, covering just enough of the body to, to make sure it's effective. Um, so that's a good one. So that's called my overclock panel. So it's uh, 1490 right now. So uh, 1490 is the full price. It's going to go on sale for Black Friday um, next week. So, you know, awesome. it'll be a great, great price. Again, it's very competitive with, with Juve because um, Juve is only there. There's solo their standard body light size only three feet tall mm -hmm. so you know we added six more inches basically mm -hmm. um to, to and that how would you use that big one would you just hang it on the wall say or a doorway or something like that yeah so you, it comes with a kit so you can hang it on a door so it comes with that mounting hook so you can put it on most doors hang it on the door and and then you're good to go mm -hmm. it also um if you find a stud in the wall you can Put a bolt in the wall and then mm -hmm. hang it on the on the wall, which is great. Or um, it does have four mounting holes, and I I did a review where you can get a TV stand from Amazon mm -hmm. that's only like a hundred twenty bucks, and and then you can mount it to this TV stand. It's got wheels, so you can roll it around. Um, oh wait, but it's it, convenient. It, the t where where is it facing then? I'm can. So it's like a TV stand, you know. So instead of mounting a TV facing you, it's, it's oh, got this... so it's just facing you. Okay, it's just yeah. funny because I, I I know a guy that has one of your panels too, and he just mounted it on the bottom of like a little table, and okay. he just lays on the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just has it on him. Right, you can have two chairs and like put it on top of the two chairs and lay yeah, under. Yeah, yeah, but I really like his setup because yeah, he just he just kind of crawls under the table, you know, and same thing, it's just a very cheap whatever open table, nothing special, and he just lays underneath it on the floor and I was like, "Oh, that's fucking great." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just flip it over. That'd be a, that'd be a good way of doing it. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, yeah, so you can put on so there's multiple ways to to hang it, but usually you're standing in front of it, which some people don't want to stand in front of. So I try to tell them like, "Hey, you know, if you don't want to stand in front of something, get something that's smaller, that that's you know, it's more targeted. But you don't need a full body panel. Like I said, there's only five studies that use full body red light therapy, yeah. so most of the benefits come from using smaller devices in the in the actual studies. Um, and you're just being real with people. If if somebody, yeah, yeah. if if you're trying to heal your shoulder and you really want to try it on your shoulder, you don't need a whole body panel. You can just get yeah. a small panel and put it on your shoulder, right? For you're, sure, for sure. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, I think, like I said, a lot of people kind of get out of control, and um, I've got more complaints about the big panels where people are like, "Oh my God, I'm so bored standing in front of this panel," or you know, if they've got pain, you don't want to stand. And you can sit in front. You can you know bring a chair up to it and sit in front of the panel, but then it's kind of like hard to control the distance because your knees mm -hmm. will be out in front of you and, and kind yeah. of hard to right distance. But it can work if you, if you really want to sit in front of it or uh, have an open back chair, you can sit and get your back on it and get the front. So there's different ways to do it. But um, usually, yeah, I, I try to remind people, hey, you're going to stand for 20 minutes in front of this. <laughs> so... It's not always. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, man, that that uh, table thing is the way to go, or the TV yeah. stand. I like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I've I've tried to dream up. Um, like you can get some of these uh, shelving units that are, you know, with the, the kind of the flexible shelf heights and the bolts. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can put a put a panel across one of the one of the racks and aiming down, and then you can just sit under it. Or Andrew, you got to do it. I'm telling you, seriously, it. you must. Yeah, you must. And you could like you could buy it pieces of acrylic 
and put that on one of the shelves. You can lay on the acrylic and put the panels aiming up. There you and then go. you've got a full body bed like everyone wants that are like a hundred thousand dollars. And you can do a full body bed. Do they for sell like... those? Oh man. Oh yeah. Oh wait, no, they do cool. sell those because I saw yeah. Dave Asprey in one of those. That motherfucker. They, yeah, Dave Asprey <laughs> has his own branded. Oh, uh, he sells those too. I didn't yeah, know well, that. He renamed. He was. He, he renamed it. I know and, he became the Dave like, Asprey instead of Bulletproof or whatever. Right. Right. Well, right, right. He renamed his his red light booth something like the oh, red. Oh, even truck. that. Oh, okay, okay. Everything he just adds his own name to it. How <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> So, more butter coffee in there yeah. so so it's like an, a whole but they do sell those though huh you're saying like a, oh, yeah, yeah, like, like a tanning bed eh? it's probably yeah probably at least a dozen different companies on the market that are all selling it and even the competition with them is is really heated and they're <laughs> with my problems pro products i see um james carroll mm -hmm. is is the owner of Novathor, and he's like he's awesome he's an engineer he goes to like the U.S. Congress and talking about how red light therapy can help fight the opioid crisis because it can help manage pain. Mm -hmm. um, it's, so he's amazing. But and he'll talk about he'll be like, I've got competitors making up numbers with high intensity this and high. so everyone's dealing with the same same problem, not just panels and, and big yeah. pads and things like that. So, but no, they got a, a big bed and then his company Novathor also does some. A clinical grade like handheld units that's more like I said targeted that you use on the skin. Um, so yeah, so they're really just they're very cheap. small kind of gadget yeah, things. Yeah, but their their devices are, are really like you know tens of thousands of dollars just for their because it'll be like you can run your own little clinic if you're like a chiropractor or a physical therapist and then you can offer these red light treatments with mm -hmm. with their you know high end devices. So how much is a bed, hard. man? How much is a bed? Their bed is reportedly a hundred thousand dollars, which is the I can't highest get it price. Yet. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of other beds that are, are cheaper now, um, but you know, it's kind of a debate of they they do have clinical studies on their Novathor beds, and some of the other, you know other beds are just whatever cheaper and um, are trying to get a share of the market. So, and then I tested like the booth at um, Planet Fitness because they have a red light therapy standing booth. Oh, and that's always been a curiosity for me. You know, Planet the Fitness has millions of um, subscribers that people, you know, people go. So I think a lot of people learn about red light therapy just by walking by Planet the black card area <laughs> in in the, the. So if you do like the Google trend words, like so many people were researching the Planet Fitness red light therapy <laughs> because they don't know what it is. Um, so I did a little review of it. Um, but they're using fluorescent tubes because a lot of the tanning booths they retrofitted the the tanning booths because you know people some people don't want tanning booths anymore because of the cancer concerns. Mm -hmm. So they retrofitted them with uh, red kind of red fluorescent tubes. Mm -hmm. But their spectrum is like horrible. Like they'll say it's like 660 uh, 630 nanometers red, mm -hmm. but I measured it with a spectrometer. It's still emitting some blue light, some green light, some red light, maybe a little bit of near infrared. Mm. But because the fluorescent tubes are just kind of emitting like just kind of a crazy spectrum. And a lot of people report that they see the bulbs as white mm. and, and then they're being gaslit. They're like, no, it's not white. It's red. Just don't trust your lying oh. eyes. Just, 
because it's got a trace amount of blue and a trace amount of green. So it looks like pinkish or, or more whitish, depending on how your eye kind of acclimates to so it. So it's not necessarily a red light booth. It's so, just a. I mean, like you said, like sunlight and with broadband sources, you still get red light therapy from it, but you also get the blue light, which uh, you know you you don't always want a lot of blue light in inside of a right, enclosure. Right. Well, yeah, and it was flicker and it was high emf and i was just like this thing's a nightmare no um, yeah so but i i i don't want to get sued by planet fitness so i was trying to be like really no 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 this nice. is all <laughs> of, of that i was like hey here's my measurements and you can decide for yourself if, if you want to use this thing so wow so people are better off just getting a little uh, yeah panel. just get sunlight sunlight <laughs> safer i was gonna or say or, or go outside eh yeah yeah, sometimes, and you know, I was I was trying to say like, sunlight contains about, uh, like I said, fifty percent red to near infrared. About if you really narrow it down, uh, maybe uh, thirty five to forty five percent is red to near infrared from sunlight, mm -hmm. and it's a substantial intensity. It's about uh, thirty five milliwatts per centimeter squared, forty milliwatts per centimeter squared. So that's similar to a red light panel that you can get for free from the sun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the only limiting factor with sunlight is that it's got UV and you don't want too much UV if, you're, if your skin can't handle it. Um, you know, it's got some blue light. So um, so those are the only limiting factors. But if you can get 20 minutes a day of sunlight, mm -hmm. you know, you might not need a lot of red light therapy. You might not need all these panels and stuff. Yeah. Like I said, especially if they're non-contact, non non-medical grade, you know, yeah. just get, you now can try to get Now my question is, let's say you live in the northern climate where the sun is hidden behind clouds and all that kind of stuff, right? The atmosphere. Does that, does it still, even on a, you know, grade, I mean, obviously it's still light outside, even if it's a gray day, right? It's not dark outside. So the sun is out. It's just not visible. But um, is it, so uh-huh. I, I wouldn't think you get a therapeutic effect, but you still get much more brightness even on a cloudy day than, than being indoors, you know, usually. Mm -hmm. um, so it's still worth it to go outside and get bright light therapy mm -hmm. from the sun, you know, any time of day, if you can get out uh, middle of the day or early in the morning. Yeah, I just wonder uh, how much red light gets, uh, d you know, gets reduced because of uh, on days like that. Yeah, uh, yeah on a cloudy day, you know, I, I wouldn't expect much. But again, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, some people say in uh, England, um, they have weeks at a time that are cloudy, so yeah. maybe that's Fuck the time. That place. That, that's why I don't live hey, there. <laughs> it's like, hey, well, you, maybe you got to get into the red light therapy, get into um, UV lamps and different types of light therapies to help make up for that loss. Yeah, and those vitamin D lamps are really popular too, right? Yeah, yeah. I have one. I have a Spirti uh, vitamin Spirit D lamp. Spirti. Yeah, that's what I yep. wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the difference with those lamps? What are the what kind of light are those light? What's that? So that's lighting? yeah, that's UV. Uh, usually you use UVB, UVB. which is um, mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to get it wrong. I think it's around um, three hundred, like two two maybe two eighty. Mm -hmm. well, maybe that's UVC. I don't want to tell people the wrong number, but look it up. So UVB mm -hmm. is. Um, specifically the spectrum that helps produce vitamin D in the skin. So you don't get vitamin D from a red light therapy panel, like my panels, you don't get that vitamin D. So, you know, just to make sure people are clear. Um, but that's why you go with the spirit Um, it does emit like I can see visible, you know, it's visibly blue. Um, so it's kind of got a spectrum that they're using fluorescent tubes, um, which 
a lot of people complained back in the day, like fluorescent lights. If you were to sit reading next to a fluorescent tube light, mm -hmm. you could get a sunburn just from sitting <laughs> too close to it because it's had some UV to it. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so they're using UVB lamps and that helps with the vitamin D production. And, uh, you know, vitamin D is important for a lot of things. It helps be kind of a sunshine hormone um, for your, your... So if you're living in a place like England or, I don't know, Norway or Russia or whatever, it's just like... Right. That's Yeah, that's when you got to gotta consider you it. You do a combo. I... One side you got a UVB, one side you got a red light panel yeah. from you. Right. No, that's what I do. I, I have them side by side. And oh, so I get awesome. both. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, maybe there's there, there's no um, clinical trials on this as far as I know, but like uh, maybe the red light helps counteract if there are any um, phototoxic effects from yeah, the yeah. UVD, the red light helps kind of mitigate that. There are studies where they use actually heat lamps on the skin and then they let people outside in the sun mm -hmm. and they measured how much of a sunburn they got and the people treated with the heat lamps got less of a sunburn Ooh. so it helps protect you from that's UV interesting damage. so yeah even that's how we market red light therapy in the summer we say hey you got to use a red light panel before you go out to the beach to protect you from from the uv and so is that just something. does that just come from one study or you've seen several studies like that that there's one i there's one really good study um called infrared and skin friend or foe that's kind of a um systematic study so it, it compiles a bunch of different studies um so that one's really good um i can send it to you but yeah so there's multiple studies that say it helps kind of protect from UV damage and it, you can do it beforehand to help as a pre preventative or you can do it afterwards as a healing uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, if you got sunburned to think think about red light therapy for healing. So that's people, great. That's great. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the stuff that there's people try to sell supplements for that. And I think I don't right. think I don't think any of them really fucking work, man. I think it's a bunch of bullshit like astaxanthin and, you know, or, yep. or just having a higher vitamin D because, you know, I, I work with actual people instead of just selling stuff, you know, so <laughs> so and I've had clients take vitamin D and they're pale from they're from Canada and having 10,000 units of vitamin D in their daily supplement uh, stack didn't get them tanner. They were still sunburned and they were red after, you know, a couple hours in the sun. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I managed to, you know, I think it's about antioxidants like having having a good load of antioxidants in your skin so is there a single <laughs> vitamin or antioxidant that really helps you with oh um, yeah yeah for sure there's a bunch which, of factors uh, yeah 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 right there's so many factors so you know you can't just rely on one thing like yeah you there? I, I've tra I traveled to like Aruba and I was taking vitamin k2 and taking astaxanthin and um, vitamin C, you know, just vitamin C is enough, mm -hmm. uh, vitamin E and I, you know, I've tried to be no, um, sunscreen anymore, you know, cause sunscreen's got bad stuff in it mm -hmm. and you, you know, you want sensible sunlight and I, I haven't burnt myself, you know, from the sun for a long time. And like I said, I've traveled to Aruba, I've traveled to Manila, Philippines, and wow. uh, I'll go outside hiking and stuff. And at, you know, if I'm trying to be outside obviously you do maybe you do long sleeve shirts um or even like a white you know like a white long sleeve shirt you get a little bit of the light through but it has some kind of spf blocking effect to it you don't need to buy the overpriced t-shirts that say oh we're spf 50 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But because that's all polyester and stuff. But yeah, um, just a simple shirt it, will do. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of steps you can take and and not get sunburn. And uh, I think some of it's the antioxidant load. And like you said, red light therapy can help mitigate it. Whether it's an anti-inflammatory effect or um, some people say it's like building that easy water that helps absorb the, the UV wavelengths and makes it more of a beneficial effect than a harmful effect. Well, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because it's sort of mimicking the actual sun, right? Which has a, a mixture of all these things. So, and just getting outside more often, but slowly building up your tolerance. Right. You know, right. it's you just like because I think a lot of people are like people. Oh, well, I used to go out and get sunburnt right away, and then I started going out every day for twenty minutes, and it's like yeah. yes. <laughs> right. And if you start early in the mornings. There's less UV because yeah. the sun is lower and it's it's dispersing more of the the UV. So if, if you start earlier in the mornings or later in you know in the sunset, then there's less UV. So you can kind of build your way up that way too. If you you know just hop out and get to no. the beach in high <laughs> noon and then you lay out and burn, you know that's that's not yeah. Those are the people that would be like, I get supper right away. And it's like hold on, man. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd be. But the doing the red light thing, I think that could be a really it's a great tip. You know, people could travel with a panel or a small device, right? And just try it yep. out. I like that a yep, lot, man. Sure. Awesome, bro. Well, what's your, uh, where can people find more about your products? Where do they go to find your stuff? Yeah, you find us at gembared.com, which uh, a lot of people don't don't pronounce it right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> well, explain, so where does it come from? Why is it called Gembared? Yeah, so Gemba is a term we learn as an engineer. Um, we learned the Toyota way, which is the Toyota production system, which um, what made Toyota such a good car company was they were really diligent in how, you know, they implemented process improvement and uh, improving their supply chain and their supply and demand. And a lot of these techniques like lean engineering, like Six Sigma, Pareto principle, you might have heard like guys like Tim Ferriss say, oh, of course. yeah, use your Pareto principle principle to decide you know how to allocate your time or yeah. you know a lot of these lean techniques kind of shuttle into the life hacks of, of what you do <laughs> four hour but, body yeah yeah of course right, like, right. i have all four hour books. body four hour <laughs> work week and whatnot um i i saw the four hour body in a library the other day yeah it's cool. like a tone like he i think oh, yeah. he's updated it's like the biggest health book. Yeah. Well, that's the style, is. man. Yeah, they got thicker. Yeah. I mean, the first one was the four hour work week, which was kind of thick. But then, right. yeah, the four hour body was massive. And then he did like yeah. the four hour chef, I think. And then it was, right. and they just got fucking bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. No, it was huge, huge tome of a book. But um, so anyway, Gemba is what, what I learned was it was a Japanese term, kind of the place where value is created. Um, so, that's, that's kind of like what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create value if I'm doing third-party testing, if I'm doing, you know, giving the right education, if I'm, you know, pricing it fairly and affordably and competitively. I think those are where you can add value to your customer. So um, those are principles. Like I said, you when you design a product or you're running a business, you think about what, you know, what am I doing that's adding value to my customer and don't do anything else. Don't do, you know, there's, uh, they have the seven deadly wastes 
which are like, you know, overproduction, mm. uh, too much transportation, too much movement, uh, throwing away material, poor quality, you know, so there's all these things. Eliminate waste, only focus on what adds value. And, and you know, I love and that. It, it, you know, like I said, we use it in business, but it helps you think about your life and how do you structure your life of like, hey, I'm going to cut out all the crap and just focus on what adds value. So, you know, I think that's where like Tim Ferriss and some of these other people were kind of like, oh, let me, I came up with all these great things. But <laughs> it came from like Toyota and, and um, G, GE with the Six Sigma. Um, Japanese, but, man. I love that though. And God, God bless the Japanese. Hey eh, man, they make yeah. some fucking good cars. You have a Toyota? I got a Toyota. You got a Toyota? I, I just traded in my Toyota Camry. I had almost- Oh uh, no. Uh, thousand miles yo no uh, trader a, a honda i got a honda crd ah you're keeping it in the uh, japanese family <laughs> god yep. bless the toyota i remember i saw what was that like meme about like some guy that posted about selling his toyota on craigslist it was like um one time my toyota corolla started making a noise and you know what i did nothing and it just right. the noise went away <laughs> And it kept driving. <laughs> like, that's that like describes everything about Toyota. I love that. Oh yeah, mine needed so much work that <laughs> at some point I was like, "All right, I so, should just trade it in." And, oh, and... it was time. At some, I mean, nothing lives forever. But right. how many how many miles you said? Oh, it's two hundred ninety. Oh, oh, dude! But so if you got, so... isn't it when you get three hundred thousand, you can like call in or some shit to the factory? Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard oh, something like this. I, that, I don't know if it's 300,000, but there is a number. And I do know a guy. He drove, but he drove a lot. I think it was like maybe 500,000. He called in, I don't know, whatever, to the factory. I don't know where he called in, but somewhere. And yeah, they said that if you are willing to give us your truck, uh, we'll give you a new one. And that's that's what they did. They gave him, he gave his truck. They fucking got a new truck for it. It's insane. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, and it, I had good trading value even for that. So I was like, wow. It's great, great car. Awesome. All, even when you trade it in. So. Yeah. All right, brother. So GambaRed.com, eh? GambaRed.com, uh, active on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can find my YouTube videos. If you post this on YouTube, find us uh, find us here on YouTube. Definitely I do a little uh, educational info. Um, and my blog, you know, head to our blog where I go in, you know, the way I did with you just now, I go in like way too deep into the science and really nitpick good, good. what's what's really going on. Um, and, you know, hopefully some people can start to see the light and see some sanity of, of like, hey, you know, we got to do this right way. I was doing some great research I'm going to write about eventually is um, there were some charlatans in the early 1900s that one guy he observed the sky was blue and he was like we should all get blue windows and sit in blue kind of sunrooms mm -hmm. surrounded so the window industry loved him because everyone wanted to build blue window sunrooms and people would just sit inside these blue you know and it was cure he would claim it would cure all this stuff his name was Pleason. <laughs> and he's got a book. It was free on on archive.org. So I'm going to read what it. What year was his but book? <laughs> at like early you know, 1900s. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's free on archive.org. And he wrote it, a blue book on blue text to help you with your eyesight. Which, again, <laughs> is mind-blowing because we talked about, you know, we don't want a lot of blue light. And you don't want blue glass mm -hmm. filtering your light and, and things like that. Uh, so... 
But anyway, <laughs> I just I was like, this is a good cautionary tale because it sounds so logical. He can say, oh, the sky is blue. We need more blue in our lives. <laughs> but like, this is the kind of logic that I still see now with the red light therapy industry of people just making up stuff that sounds really logical and they're really confident and they make all these claims about it. And uh, so there's no evidence. And then there's some scientific journals that eventually debunked him and the whole craze was over in a couple of years. Um, but the same thing could happen with red light panels. And we need to be a little bit more diligent about the science and what's really going Man, on. I appreciate you keeping it real. So yeah. thank you, Appreciate and thanks for yeah. your time, man. And uh, yeah. we'll do this thank again you. sometime, sure. man. All right, my brother. Take care. Yeah.